some scary crit. Okay, we're here. We're here. Um, we're full. Welcome to, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode four. Yeah, it's four. One episode four. Um, we should do introductions. I feel like we should start doing introductions. I feel like you said this last time, and I just said we don't need to do that. You did. So that's exactly how that conversation. <laughs> so we're gonna do introductions. <laughs> Why don't you start now? <laughs> What, like, introduce what now? Me like or the... just your name, um, like, you know, you're the host of the show, maybe, like, what, like, hi, I'm Lamel, horror enthusiast, stuff. <laughs> I don't know, you know, just, like, introductions, like, so I feel like, I feel know. like we should table the introductions for now and then come back episode five, intro strong. Okay, we will, y'all, you heard it here first, we'll come back with those, but, um, here's the draft, <laughs> um, hi, I'm Jared, um, horror enthusiast here. Um, black nerd, black fam, you know. Um, here at Scary Crit, uh, this is episode four. Um, very happy to be here. We are, um, it's October. Um, we are officially Hi. in, like, the middle of spooky season. It is already October 12th. Um, can you believe that? We're already halfway through October. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy, because it doesn't, like, feel like it. And this is our first like real fall day, weather. yeah. Yeah, because it was like it was it's it was actually cold this morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and when I went to the DMV, freezing. Really? Absolutely freezing. I was wearing um, the same coat I wore today, uh -huh. but um, I was wearing a thinner cardigan underneath it. Mm. And I wish I had brought my hat and gloves because I went I got there right before five, so the sun wasn't up. So oh. <laughs> it was a different story. It was very cold. Um, and when the sun finally came up, it was like a celebration because I'm like finally warmth. And by the time I got out of there at like 930, um, it was, you know, like full on more and more. It's still chilly, you know, brisk, but the sun was out and I'm like relief. But it was it was so cold. Oh it my god! So and there wasn't like a coffee shop or anything over there, was there? Girl, no. I mean, McDonald's turned on his light at six, but I can't leave the line <laughs> get a coffee. I was there with myself. <laughs> I can't just leave. If I leave, that's it. But you I, couldn't ask the person like behind you like, if I bring you no, back a coffee. Girl, what you think <laughs> well, this you is? No, no. I keep to myself. Okay, it was just me solo dolo on that line. I was not about to ask nobody to be. A neighbor and get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> Could you um, be my neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> Could you? <laughs> no, Mr. Rogers over here. So I waited until I was done with the whole thing to go across the street to get my coffee. Um, and I actually got an iced one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Not a hot After one. all of that. You know, so. Um, but so today um, in Scary Crit, we are going to be talking about the cult classic uh, from the 70s um, by Bill Gunn, Ganja and Hess. The most <laughs> underrated <laughs> vampire film ever made. And after seeing it for the first time this past Sunday, I can see why it is so underrated. There's a reason, too. Yeah. So we're going to dive into that. Um, but first things first, how are you? What's going on? What's happening? I hate capitalism. Girl, what are you doing? Because if it was not for capitalism, I would not need money. <laughs> if I didn't need money, I wouldn't need my job. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. If it wasn't for capitalism, you wouldn't already see those um, pins costumes with a fly on the head. <laughs> that was 
thing that got me. This is how I am. Because the internet ran with that so fast and so hard. I got tired of it within two hours. Yeah. Because the, the funniest meme was the Leonardo DiCaprio meme when his when his head is the fly's head. Oh, stop. You know, from the stop movie, it. and he's like laughing. Stop with it. Stop. <laughs> it said all of the flies in Enough. the world. <laughs> Enough. And they were giving the flies names. Uh-huh. Like, oh, Jesus. I, it was a lot for me. So that debate was a mess. Um, a mess I am, is- I'm very surprised that Miss Corona has decided to the one time not do the job that she is known for. Um, but if you hype up somebody on steroids, they don't cure anything. Girl. I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of the irony. I'm tired of the fact that, like, you talk down this disease, like, the entire time it's been here. And the people who are trying to receive care for it, yet yeah, you get the best in show. And Right. But do you know the crazy thing? So, my mom is lives in North Carolina. And she lets me use her cable login to watch TV. <laughs> so, I see all of the ads that are being run in the South. Oh, no. And oh, the one no. that is being run the most is Trump beat, um, no, it wasn't beat. It was like overcame. Girl, what? The coronavirus. And and as he was powerful enough or strong enough to do that, he's strong enough to keep the country going. Like, like if it's a trial sent by God. Yes, it was this whole like character arc basically for him of how he like battled this disease and he was fine, just like the country will be fine. And I was like, are y'all kidding? <laughs> he ain't no King Arthur. But it, it it's like you said. You got sick and then basically got the entire Grey's Anatomy Super team spreader, girl. to come and take care of you. Oh, that's what, I'm sorry. I thought you were going along the lines of he spread it to like so many that people. That too. But, but, yeah, but Grey's like, Anatomy that, was like, you, you had Dr... I don't watch the show, so I don't know the names. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just know Jesse Williams is fine. But you had all of these people. Dr. Gray. Do- What's his name that just left? Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on these names right now? I wish I could. Dr. Alex, who just left because he was in peds and he decided to have a baby. And then Dr. Avery, who is... Jesse Williams. Yes. It's fine. You so. had the best doctors in the nation... Wiggling your pinky toe because it itched. Don't come to the Bronx and talk about and talk to the women and the men who don't have access to that kind of care about you overcoming anything. It's disgusting. It makes me angry because you didn't overcome nothing. (laughs) You walked around. You got sick because you knew that the people couldn't let you die because you're the president of the United States. Leave me alone. I'm tired. So that was something else. Um, Politics are just, yeah, and like, um, you know, early voting has begun. um, But there's like just such pressure to, you know, get out there and vote. Every time you open your social media, that's all you see is vote. Um, You know how many texts I've got? Hi, we're from the state. Democrats board. Are you registered to vote? I'd be clutching for like, how do you know my name? Who are you? Right, who did you pay to get my phone number? <laughs> <laughs> just like, like, girl, I'm gonna vote, don't worry. But it's, I don't know, it's just, because it's coming, it's coming. And it's yeah, in the, less than a month. And the pressure is on, you see the ads everywhere. I do not like how 
on YouTube, the front page at the top underneath the search bar is a Trump ad. I'm like, did he buy YouTube or something? I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, so I don't know. But I I think with with politics, the thing that is scariest to me, it's everywhere. But the thing that people don't understand when they're like, oh, it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. The thing that Trump has done artfully is place all of these judges in lifelong positions. He has stacked so many court systems with right-leaning people. And the fact that they are lifelong appointments make it make sense. But And that's, that's the scary thing, right? And that's the thing that's about to be on the forefront of everybody's political conversations is Roe v. Wade. Because with this woman that he's trying to get appointed into the Supreme Court, she will chip away and chip away and chip away until it is illegal to get an abortion in the United States. I just... White women be complicit. Do not be surprised. I don't watch um, SNL like that, but I did see Bill Burr's Mm -hmm. little set. You saw it? And I love how people were like, oh, Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, I, I just can't believe he went. Yes, girl, he went there. And I love that he went there. And I love that he didn't hold back because y'all need to be told about yourselves. And that, like, the audience <laughs> for SNL, the, I saw a lot of comments saying, like, oh, they're going to ban him. He's not going to be back. But he don't give a fuck. He doesn't. They needed him more than he needed SNL. Girl, like, don't be mad. Like, the truth is in the pudding. Eat it. Mm-hmm. Just eat it. Just gulp it down because mm-hmm. you need to know. Um, and also something I want to say when we get to love to have country about uh, white women, I'll, we'll get to that. Um, but opening the necro- uh, the Necronomicon this week, um, what do we have? Are we going to open it? I thought we had... We haven't opened it yet. We just kind of started, and oh. I just I just pulled it off the shelf. Okay, <laughs> I'm blowing the dust off now. I'm opening it up. Um, <clears throat> through, and let's see what's on the schedule. Um, Oops. Let's see. Well, um, well, Lovecraft Country was on there. You might as well just talk about it. Yeah, since we're you know, um, I'm really mad at you. Because I ain't watch it. I know, but I live with a boy, and the NBA Finals were last night. Oh, hell. <laughs> All the cishets are up in arms about the Lakers winning. I'm not even going to talk shit because that's a beautiful thing. I'm very happy for the Lakers. I don't watch basketball, but I know how special that was for um, the team, all the fans, and for Kobe and Gianna. Um so it's really nice to see but I saw a meme where it's like I'm gonna get off Facebook because the men are happy <laughs> Shut up. and I don't like when the Shut men are happy <laughs> I'm just good I was like oh my god cause that's all like all the like yeah all the cishet men uh particularly black men or men of color are like going like it's it's a celebration for them so but good I'm I'm happy for them but I did not watch I watched Lovecraft Country cause that's my before we get into that episode, NBA, can we t- <laughs> can we talk about the the week last week's the week before's episode with the pickaninnies? So you did see that? I one. saw that one. I wasn't happy about it. What? Everybody was like, "Oh my god, I'm so scared! Oh my what? god, I'm so scary!" What What do you mean you weren't happy about it? 
here's my problem. Uh-huh. What is the little girl's name? D. D. I was so excited to finally have an episode about D. Uh-huh. And about her trials and tribulations and her life. Yeah. It wasn't about D. It was still about everyone else. And then D slid in so oh. we could see the pickaninnies and then she left. And then we went back to the main characters and she may be pregnant and he running around and he got a kid in the future and I got a book and we're going to do a protection spell and then D comes back. So you were saying it was too much, like too, it was juggling too much when it should have been. Every other episode who was, was about was a person was about a, that person. person. And, okay, so Di- Except for Montrose and D. I have something to say about that. I think that was intentional because the whole thing about Diana, um, because the way the spell works... Um, only she can see the demons that are chasing her. Mm-hmm. And whenever she tried to tell someone, this happened only once in the show, but she in the book it happened it. twice. Because in the book, Dee was a boy named Horace, and he had asthma. So the spell would activate his asthma each time he would try to... So he would like have a practical... He, like he did have attack. an asthma attack. So she couldn't breathe. But that was, but that was metaphorical, because it's like whenever black girls are trying to communicate their abuse or the harm that they are being put through to others um there it's either um brushed off denied or ignored or they can't speak Mm -hmm. and then the fact that you know this episode was supposed to be about her but it was focusing on like other stuff at the same time when it was like her episode what if that was like fully intentional just to show like how deep that is where it's just like we know this is diana's episode but we're still not gonna pay completely attention to her like what if that was intentional i don't then it was a bad decision i i I don't like it because i feel like you could have you could have you could have said that and shown all the shown that idea still from her perspective because if we're sitting there if she's trying to trying to talk to tick and tick is like talking to journey letty there you go letty (laughs) um and she is ignored that 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 gives you the same notion Mm -hmm. that you just explained but from d's perspective i was set up for something that i did not receive okay i get you because i don't understand why we just couldn't have it be about her and all of those things from from especially on the day that they set it up you know what I mean? That was, because that was probably the most powerful image when they pulled back to show exactly how many people had come out for this funeral. My thing was when I realized what was going on, like in in like the first 30 seconds, I was just like, you know, you have to take a breath because it's just like, I mean, you you read about this all the time as, as, a, as a black person. It's a part of, you know, our Culture. history. Yeah. You read about it, but it's like, it's different when you see like a medium like television, especially one as... They truly care as like this one. And you realize what's going on. Like all those people in the heat. When she said, what is that smell? And I was just like, like, you don't, you don't want to acknowledge it, but you like, you can't deny it. You know what was being referred to. And you're right. That shot was beautiful. It was so, I don't, I I would love to see it behind the scenes. Like how many extras they got. How did, like, I want to see how they filmed it, but it's just, I don't. The, the kind of, like, emotional strength you have to be in to put yourself into that kind of space, even though it's fictional and it's a reenactment, it's still, like, this is not fake, though. This actually happened. Mm-hmm. So, opening it up with Emmett, Emmett, Emmett Till's funeral, and it, 
having him be like introduced before, before. when they did the Ouija board. Yeah, because I I had um as much as I know about Emmett Till, I did not know his nickname was Bobo. Me either. So when he was introduced in that episode where they're all upstairs playing with the Ouija board, I did not know that's who that was until I saw online, you know, with the posts and the comments. And then the fact that, you know, when they asked the Ouija board I think Am I going to have a good time on my trip? And it said no. Like, what? Like, I didn't think they were going to go back to that. I had no idea. So Open Up with Emmett was powerful. And then having Dee go off on her own um, was especially when she got when she was in the alleyway when the police came it's like my chest got tight mm-hmm. um like because i read the book i knew what was going to happen in the book they um took horace to a diner and they interrogated him there and they did a spell on him there this was different in the tv show because like she's in an alleyway by herself there's no one else around and like they were it was just very visceral um, and it's like the way that white men, like how this whole thing about Lovecraft Country being like, it's, it's about monsters, both like fantasy and like human, mm-hmm. like, uh, it, it was a very disturbing scene. And then I was reading stuff like, cause, um, in the, in the book, he, he did use his spit, but he rubbed it in Horace's hair um in the tv show he he put on her forehead forehead, it was nasty and a lot of people i didn't pick this up um but a lot of people were saying that the spit looked like semen Mm -hmm. and how that was really into like the rape of black women by white men and just like uh, just how deep they go with with the show and um the references and the like the nuances they make are things they want you to think about but um i I really... Uh, was it Pickaninnies in the book? No. In the book, it was a it was a, um African witch doctor doll. Oh. Because um, that is one thing I think that they did a good job with. Like, the whole... Fort, like, she gets back, and then she's arguing, and then the book... You, you zoom in on the book, and then the characters change on the I book, and then that. they come out, but... I, I love the refrain of uh, the whole Let Me In song. Yeah. Uh, I read that apparently that was a song played in minstrel shows. Oh. Right. And, like, the... And, oh, they made it so freaking scary, because, you know, it's like, it's like that, like, you know, like, iconic horror villains or monsters usually kind of have, like, a refrain or a theme song that accompanies like their appearance so whenever we heard that like i that i have it saved on my phone like that scene where she's on the subway platform and they come up the stairs that was the scariest scene that was so well done i have to shout out um the the um actors which are grown women mm-hmm. by the way they're not children i thought they were kids at least like maybe teenagers no they're grown women um i feel like i saved it somewhere um, oh God, I'm so terrible at this, but, um, I want to get their names right. I mean, I'll probably put them in the description box, but they did such a good job. Cause all the dancer friends that I know were bugging out. Oh, please tell me, please tell they me. They were I like, love, Oh I my want, God, the it. form, the movements, <laughs> the contortions, Jesus. They the was contors- all bugging. I swear in another life, I wish I was a dancer or something because I'm just like, how, how does the body move like that? How and like the synchronization, um, the fact that because I saw um, like a behind the scenes video where 
um, you see like how they're rehearsing. It's not scary. It looks just like a art form. It's like a very good art form. But then when you see how everything came together, like, and then the part where she's in an alley again waiting for... I hated that. That was my least favorite part of Why? all of it. Because it didn't make sense. Because we've got D on her bike looking at these men, following them back to his office. Uh-huh. But before that, you know, it, and it keeps cutting behind her. Because they're coming up behind her and she doesn't know, right? So we're playing with the audience here because, you know, you imagine somebody screaming at the TV, telling her to move, telling For her real? to run away, whatever. <laughs> but then there's a moment where they get close enough to her that they touch her. Oh, that was so scary. But it was stupid because then I didn't like the way that it was edited because they touched her and then the next scene we cut to is, excuse me, is her riding away on her bicycle. But if she was to be touched by these demons, then there would be consequences. And the way that the scene came together it just didn't make sense to me. It bothers me so much. Here we go. Um, Kaylin Harris and Bianca Bruton. Those are the um, dancers' names who played Topsy and Bobsy. I have to shout them out. I mean, like, I just... Oh, my God, they're gorgeous. Exactly. Like, the makeup. Yeah, whoever the, did the makeup. Girl, like, I just... Oh, that was my phone. I need... I need... I, already, I said this to myself last night, especially after last night's episode. I cannot depend on award season to give this show their things. Because at this point, it transcends that. It's like, you can't... What category is it going to go in? That's the question. It's more than that. It's more. It's more like... I don't even want to think about snubs because I feel like this is just like it like if they don't get awarded it's going to be like of course they wouldn't get awarded right um because it's just like the greatness of this show I feel like eclipses those kind of awards because it's just like do you know how special this is to the culture especially like last night you have to read like the comments you have to read like people's react like because a lot of the commentary was geared towards how we are getting to see our history again. Like, because Watchmen did Because last night's episode was about Tulsa. Oh, oh. Yes. So Watchmen, I'm, I'm like, HBO is not letting us rest when it comes to, like, these tough historical moments. Black his, um, history moments. Because Watchmen did it last year. And that was in their very first episode, like, the very first scene. Oh, my God. That was so much, too. Oh, my God. And, like, and then it was another thing where it's like, you realize what's happening. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't learn about Tulsa in school. Me either. I learned about it on my own. Uh, but then you immediately recognize what's going on. Watchmen had, I'm sorry, Lovecraft Country had them go back the day of, like, the first day it happened. Apparently, Tulsa happened, uh, the massacre happened on prom night for a lot of, yeah, for a lot of people. Um, so that's when they got back there because they needed, they went back because they needed to get the book of names to save D. So they went back to where it was and we got to see Montrose, George, um, as kids. Yeah, Tick's mother, um, Montrose's dad. Um, I hope they did that better than the last one. I'm still, I'm not like that. The, the D episode is my least favorite episode. I just I I really and that's the and I mean like least favorite like the 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 mess with Ruby is above that. That's crazy because like I'm like the opposite. That was one of, episode three. I think is still my favorite, but uh, it is 
uh, Dee's episode was definitely second, but I think this last one might have just eclipsed both of them. Is this the? Is that the last one? No, next week is. Next, okay. We should watch that together. Unless, you know, you're going to have the man at the house and you're going to be watching. I mean, he watch it too. You can come over. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but it's, th- I won't, I don't want to say too much because we were already at, what are we at? 20 minutes? 25? 26? Yeah, but we usually go for two hours. I, I know. I'm just saying. You know, I, just, I, wanna, I don't want to, but. Um, but so if you want to segue, because. We could talk about um, vampires in the Bronx. I just want to say a couple more things and we'll move on to the Bronx. But um, Lovecraft Country last uh, week's, I love Topsy and Bobsy. I love the, the, um, I thought it was, you know, it follows S. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like that's what bothers me about it. Because up until this point, it's just been like sci-fi scary. Right? Oh, you weren't ready for them to go straight horror. But they didn't do it right. That's what makes me mad. Oh. I don't think that they did it correctly. That's so, what's pissing me off. So it was like, instead of it being like a smooth transition, it was more like whiplash for you. No, but, no. What I'm saying is, when you are trying to do It Follows, when you are trying to do a Michael Myers, I'm stalking you in the shadows, blah, 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 you have to go for it. I feel like you have, that's why it's making me, it's pissing me off that the episode just wasn't about her. Because it wasn't just about oh. her, they couldn't do it in the way that I think it needed to they be done. Be fully there. Right. Okay. And I it pisses it. me off. Because, it. like, there were these little instances, and then that was it. And it wasn't, and then it, we would move on to somebody else. Yeah, okay. And it, because that's, and because I had this whole scene in my head could you imagine them finding her and like oh my god where were you blah 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 you need to do better right because it's never about whatever it is you're going through it's about your responsibility so then okay bloop now we're eating dinner and there's a demon and she's the only one that could see it and then we continue on with whatever conversation is going on but now there's the other one and she's the only one that could see it so she's not eating. And now somebody says, oh, why aren't you eating? What's wrong with you? Da, 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 da. Ignoring the fact that she is freaking the fuck out. And then they get close enough and close enough and close enough to her where she just decides, I can't do this anymore, and, like, runs off. Uh, right? Like, those, there were these other moments. So go fully there. Right. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I'm sorry. I think I got a little loud. I didn't mean to. But no, like, no, please I, get I'm out. just so think, mad I, at I think it. the people love that. I'm I so <laughs> mad at it. Because I'm just like, you didn't, you did, you had, I feel like they half-assed the one episode that was supposed to be scary. And yeah, they had moments like when one of them jumped up with the car and whatever else. But the thing that I think was most scary about It Follows was the fact that it happened in the middle of the day. You know what I mean? Like, it was in the afternoon. One of my favorite parts is when she's in class. And he's just walking towards her. It was that old lady in like the the thing that you wear at the hospital gown. Yes. And she's like, and you know, it doesn't seem out of place at first because well, I mean it does when she recognizes what she's wearing and her age and because it's a college campus yeah and you're like what's going on but then um or was she a high schooler was it high school I think it was high school I think it was high school but you would I can see why college because she did a lot of things that I wasn't allowed to do in high school like just get up and leave uh, she's like excuse me excuse me yeah but that scene was that scene was so good because it was it was a slow burn, but it was a quick one because she kept coming, and the closer she got, you realize something is off mm-hmm. here. Something is very wrong, and then and also the teacher at the same time was like quoting like Lazarus, like I am, I am death or something mm-hmm. like that, and it was just it was very well put together. But it's like when she leaves the classroom and gets out into the hall, and then 
the the creature or whatever is inside with her and when we realize those two girls that she just walked between don't even see what she, what she sees. sees and that's when you're like okay this is real i feel like the episode had a lot of that but i, I get what you i get what you mean when you say it wasn't consistent it didn't keep it up. It didn't because there were there were gaps. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't like that the whole way through. Mm-mm. We it would like it would be her. We'll go back to Tick and Letty. It'll be her. We will go back to. Um, and can we also Montrose. talk about the throwaway scene with with the village uh, the hidden leaf chick, old Nine Tails girl? He did her so dirty. But first of all, I don't understand the purpose of that scene other than to start a damn pot because she flew all the way for Korea for two lines. Hopefully we'll see her in the season finale, but because uh, she was not in this episode at all, but, except for that one scene. I thought it was cute that he knew she was there because her shoes were outside. I thought that was funny, but <laughs> <laughs> like I just there was so because I don't understand why that was necessary over D. You know what I mean? Like there were some decisions that I didn't understand. Probably building it up, you know. And... I think because I think she's gonna come back in the season finale, but I did not like how Tick did her. He was rude as hell to her. He was so Well, rude. she did try to kill him during sex. But she stopped herself. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I, I really enjoyed like um I enjoyed her appearance, but I, I hated how Tick did her. I thought that was just so rude of him. Um Well he But D D's was um I just loved the whole every time those girls were on screen they stole the show. When I read that Misha was this is her um, version of like Nightmare on Elm Street. Did you read that, or did you just not find this out? I'm sorry. She. She's just now. Oh my God, people! She just found this out. Yes, there's a tweet by Misha that said this was her like Topsy and Bobsy was like her opportunity to do like Nightmare on Elm Street, which was why. Well, she didn't do it. Which I'm is mad why about in it. that scene Mm-mm. in the alley with the long nails. Mm-hmm. That was like you mm-hmm. know homage to mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I really I did not pick up Nightmare on Elm Street until I read that tweet again. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like very it follows, which I appreciate both. Um, but at the end of the day, they did well. I I I got Nightmare on Elm Street when them little girls was jump roping. Oh yes, you're right. That quick little yes, that quick little you're right. But guess what? She ain't do it. I'm mad about it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Ugh. Don't you dare you ever in your life Ugh. try to tell me that the, that combined five minutes, Ugh. it was your chance. Because it wasn't. Makes me mad. I still love you, Misha, girl. I love you. <laughs> but I'm mad at that. I'm mad at that episode. The episode was a waste. Valentine's That's my opinion. Um, before we move on, uh, only thing I want to say about this week's episode, since this one has I haven't not seen, seen it, it yet. <laughs> Um, I think the last 10 minutes were some of the most beautiful moments of television I've ever seen. I have seen so many people say that. That is the only thing that, like, all these black men flooded my timeline, but this is the most beautiful television they've ever seen in their entire life. like, I can't even put it, I, 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 it was one of those shows where, and I haven't done this since, I think, um, like, the long night from Game of Thrones. Um, where after the sh- after the episode ended, I was just glued to my seat for like forty five minutes to an hour afterwards, still processing because, like, the way they did it. I'm not gonna spoil it, but there was a poem, uh, Sonia Sanchez's. Um, oh God, I I need to get the titles because this was it was a beautiful poem. Um, Sanchez, uh, uh, catch the fire. <gasps> 
they did catch the fire by Sonia Sanchez. That was like the the voiceover this week, and then it went in. Oh, can we talk about the voiceovers? Are you over them? You we discussed this like we did after two weeks in, oh. and you said you were done. I'm and over I was it. like, I love them. I'm over it. The, okay, this never mind. one, this one was Sonia Ch- Sanchez's um, catch the fire, and then like in I think the final five minutes, that's where it transitions into this. This beautiful soaring opera. Oh wow! Song, and I'm like, I I had to, I replayed the credits like three times. It was so beautiful. The singer, um, um, hold on, hold on. Uh, the singer is a black woman. Of course. Um, I expect nothing less from the show. <laughs> and then how they recorded it was they had to record it like you know in isolation. She recorded it like in her house and the orchestra. Like, everybody, like, did their own separate piece, like, in their house. And they had to, you know, in editing, they had to... Fix it in post. You know, put it, you know, put it all together. And it just sounded so cohesive. And I, I, like, you just... It was, like, one of those moments where, again, like, the show transcends its own medium. Okay. Like, it just, it takes your breath away. Um, um, I kind of... I, I want to find out her name. Um see and the song itself is called um 19 um tulsa 1921 don't catch the fire and the um the music the the soundtrack composer laura uh, cartman said that uh she she said i think we need a, a requiem at the end i want to write a piece of opera so i was shazamming this song over and over, and Shazam was giving me nothing. The oh girl, my God, Shazam is still a thing? I didn't even know that still worked. Yeah, the girl is still here, but she was not giving me any answers. And I'm like, I need this song in my library. And the reason why Shazam couldn't find it was because this was created specifically for the show. It is brand new. That's and cool. last night was its premiere. And it was one of those moments where music and film come perfectly together to create like this this moving symphonic moment i i can't i, I can't spoil it for you but once you see it like you're it it just it takes you the ending was perfect so i'll tweet it i'll live tweet it from the scary crit account when i watch it oh please it was just it was beautiful if if y'all are listening and if you have seen it put your own testimonies in there if you haven't seen it uh go on hbo now or max and Please watch. I'm pretty sure people probably already posted the clip, but it is beautiful. Uh, that's it, hauntingly beautiful. Those those are the words that I used. Okay. Um, but the, the entire episode was a piece of work. But like the final ten minutes, whoa! Wow! It's I I did it. It was one of those things where you just after you watch it, you're floored, but at the same time, you just you get like this burst of like you want to create. Like you want to have, you want to have one of those moments for yourself, and I'm like, because I, I like, I don't know, I listen to certain songs and I have like entire, you know, like epic movements in my head, and this is like one of those, like, but come to life. It's very beautiful, um, and uh, yeah, you guys, you guys gotta watch it. But moving on, sorry, <laughs> to um, the new Netflix tune. I mean, Netflix is still, it's still like a roller coaster. It's still like a so, call center. Yes, oh my Jesus. I feel like we should talk about vampires and then Bly until episode, you on episode four? 
Yes, I just we'll, got up so far. We'll talk about vampires. Then. But I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. But Vampire in the Bronx, I think, premiered this weekend, or was it last? I think it was. No, I think it was last weekend. But um, it's fairly new. It's super cute. Yeah, Mel said it's cute, y'all. It's super cute. So it was actually filmed in in the Bronx. Bronx. Thank you. So here's the other thing, though. So when Vampire in Brooklyn came out, I had this whole idea in my head that they were gonna make a five borough series of vampires in places. So I wanted Vampire in Queens, Staten Island Vampire Hunter. You know what I mean? Like Brooklyn versus the Vamp. You know, I wanted it all. It didn't happen. Vampire in Manhattan. I wanted it all. No, I wanted, what is it? I think the title I came up with at the time was like Vampires Take Manhattan. <laughs> Just to be fun. But you know what I mean? Like, And then when it didn't happen, I was very disappointed with media as a whole because you missed an opportunity. Then been a whole vampire thing. cinematic universe. <laughs> been a whole thing. So when I saw that somebody made Vampires in the Bronx, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be super cute. Who wrote it? I'm about to find out. Vampire versus the Bronx. Excuse me. Um, Osmany Rodriguez. Oh. And was it like a were the vampires like a metaphor for gentrification? It was. I that knew was, it. That was the really only issue that I. There were two main issues that I had. Was with it too film. on the nose for you? It was too on the it nose. Was too on the nose for her. And she wants that nuance. The editing was like real choppy in certain places. Really? But I do want the nuance because when I tell you the the logo for the real estate company was the portrait. Of Dracula. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just too much. It was entirely too much. I was like, all right, y'all. We get it. <laughs> They're vampires. And they suck the life out of a neighborhood. We understand. Um, but the, the one thing I did appreciate, they did a lot of odes to, like, the Lost Boys. Oh, and you love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> but so it, it was, the main character were these three boys. That were in the Bronx, and then they were trying to... One of them was, like, trying to save a bodega, so he's trying to throw a block party. And then the vampires come, and then... It was just a really cute portrayal of different types of people in the Bronx. There was this black girl that was, like, on IG Live all the time. (laughs) That was basically, like, like, um... Um... Influencer? Yeah. But she was like like um, Samuel L. Jackson and Do the Right Thing. So you know how every couple of scenes he would give like an update? Oh, So every couple of scenes she'd give an update. She'd be like, all right, y'all. This was up. Like on her little phone. And you could see all the little Instagram likes and comments and stuff. Did it feel very authentic? Did it feel real? Okay. But it was cute. And it was authentic to an extent. Because like I said, the, the writing was so on, like clown nose on the nose. It was ridiculous because they were like, we're going to we're going to suck this place dry because nobody cares about people who happen with it. And if you disappear in the Bronx. All right. (laughs) Jesus. Is that serious? I feel like it's not. Um, But I liked it. Like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't the greatest thing ever, but it wasn't bad. Okay. I would watch it. I would tell I you to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but um, I do appreciate the fact that it was so in the Bronx. I appreciate what it's doing, like, for, uh, like, how it's representing the community in the Bronx. I worked there. I used to work in the Bronx um, for, it wasn't two years, but it was uh, it was almost two years. 
it was no I'm sorry what am I talking about I worked for the, that company for two years but I worked in the Bronx specifically for one year and the Bronx is beautiful but it was that's what I'm saying it was very diverse it showed I feel like it showed the community there yeah. were Puerto Rican people there were Dominican people there were right. Haitian people there right. were black people there was right. white people with canvas bags like there was all types oh, of people <laughs> walking around and it was shot down by Yankee Stadium on 161st oh snap mm-hmm. okay so I mean I think it was and it was very cute to sh- to see <laughs> one of the funnier scenes. So you know they're buying up all these properties and making all these like yuppie stores. So uh-huh. there's like a butter store that sells small batch butter, <laughs> Girl, <what laughs> like stuff like that. Girl. And so the bodega guy who is um, what's his name? He he's from the Bronx. He's got a late night TV show. Daisy's Amir. Yeah. Yes. Which one is it, though? It's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> it was Mero. Okay. Mero was the bodega owner. Okay. So he's walking around in, like, this open shirt with a with a beater and, like, a little paperboy oh cap God. on. <laughs> but to try to keep up with the neighborhood, he starts changing this, the selections that he offers. Uh-huh. So then, instead of, like, regular milk, he's got, like, oat milk and soy milk uh. and bean milk. <laughs> and he's, like, bean white. Milk. Yeah, it's ah. really funny. And then this white girl comes in. He's like, yeah, I got kale and, like, another type of kale and, like, a third type of kale. So get what you need. Get what you need. It was funny. Um, I, w- I would say watch it. I, I would watch. But, like, watch that. I love movies. Like, you would watch the Adam Sandler Halloween movie. The hubby Halloween thing that's on Netflix. That was Hubie. Hubie, whatever it is. I don't remember. It starts with an H. Yeah. It was pure Adam Sandler. Of course. Pure. Uh, he just, at this point, I think he's just having fun in life. I would too, you know? I can't be mad at that. If I had my own production company and I could make literally Shoot. whatever, <laughs> I would do all the things. I can't be mad at that. Adam Sandler, he doesn't bother me. Speaking of things on Netflix. Cause so oh, is, it, is it still recording? Oh, it's on. Yeah, it's on. It's on. Um, haunting of Bly Manor. Okay. Let's 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 let's. Okay, so, so I I started uh, Friday. I finished Saturday. Or Thursday. I think I started the day I came back from the DMV. Um, I, f- I finished Saturday. You finished Saturday. Okay, so I'm I'm on episode four, y'all. I I'm taking I'm taking my time with it. Um. I it is it is definitely different from season one. Well, it's supposed different. to be. It's, it's supposed to be. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. It's it's supposed to be different because. Oh, I thought you were done. Girl, I'm sorry. You can't just trash the fries I'm like sorry. that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. You didn't get rid of the pickles, did you? No, the pickles are right there. There weren't that many fries okay, left. I thought like, you were done. You can't be ruining the fries, girl. They're cool. I still don't eat them. Anyway, sorry you had to hear that. I was trying to move the mic closer, um, which is why I was throwing out food. So, um, my by, bad. By manner, <laughs> um, I'm episode four. Um, I just started. Um, it is, I like it so far. It's different from the first season because, for one, this is uh, again a horror anthology series. So each season is going to be a new place, new characters. They might keep the same cast. Which I'm not mad at. I enjoy the cast. Because let, let, me, let me say one thing. Despite me being whelmed, everyone in this season acted their butts off. Listen. All of them. Because all of the monologue scenes, literally every single monologue written, there are going to be people auditioning for things using, using these monologues. Monologue. Yes. I, I, like, when I say, like, they have grade A actors and actresses 
in this show like the first season alone was just because i really came for the scares of course but i stayed because it was such an emotional well-rounded like it had such like heart and in emotional depth that it just it, i was not expecting that from um a, a purported like horror show but you know what i just figured out how to, how to describe season one and season two go Season one is it chapter one. Oh, season two. My God, is it chapter two? Lord, you're I welcome. <laughs> I still can't get over how long it chapter two is. It was so. Like I just long. I just started watching it again. Uh, this like my my second time watching it again, um, and I like I had to take a break because uh-huh. I'm just like. The first one was definitely better, uh-huh. but the second one it just it drags a lot. Yo, can I tell you? Speaking of watching things. When you put the descent up for the thirty-one days of Halloween thing we were doing, so good. I I hadn't watched it in a while, so my brain was like, "Well, let's watch it." I completely forgot about the opening. I completely forgot. Oh my god! And we were like, "The fuck is going on?" You ran out the room, didn't you? We were in. We were like laying down, and we both like fell out because oh, I completely. <laughs> Forgot no girl that they, it's final destination the beginning for real that the, they they hit the ground running it was Yo. like oh we're on a fun little vacation woo woo and then through Jesus the seat Jesus Christ yep that's how it starts and that the, I think we can actually compare the descent as well as it to um, the haunting of anthology series because again these are like horror these are the genre of horror but at the same time they have a lot of emotional substance yeah. a lot of emotional death because uh, I'm what was that girl's name that died by the neck Beth oh my god she she left me don't trust her <laughs> she cheated she was having an affair with your husband <laughs> oh my god that was a lot it was so bad. What, what was the love each day yeah oh and she was like, no. And, and Beth died. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody knew but you. I don't know. I don't know but yes, every, literally everyone. Because I told Brandon, if you ever decide to go over to some hussy and gingerly, caressingly take off her helmet, I got problems. I mean. The way he took off homegirl's helmet. They were, by that point, they had been. Been, been. The affair had been happening. Been going on. That was just a little, you know, like. A nudge, a reminder. Yeah. I felt. Sarah was it within her rights. That's what I will say. Um, but the ending will always dash. That was so. Did you did you know there funny. were did you that was funny to you? It was hysterical to me what the because fuck? we had survived this together, and now remember, bitch, I know what you done did. Oh, that's what you meant. What? Oh, that's what you meant. Have have fun with all of these people. <laughs> oh, that's what you. I thought you were talking about that because. The U, because the American Indian and the UK Indian are different. Did you know that? No. So the American Indian ends right after you know she wakes up screaming, and it just cuts to credits. Mm. And the UK Indian, she wakes up screaming, but she's still in the caves, and um, this camera like goes out, and you see like the birthday candles and her daughter. But then it goes back to Sarah. But then when it goes out again, it's just Sarah smiling to no one. And instead of uh, like a lit birthday cake, it's her torch 
Ooh. in the center. And then you hear, like, the sounds of the monsters in the background. And then it ends. I guess they... I guess for American audiences, that wasn't... Happy. That wasn't good enough. So they just cut it out. Uh, but the descent it got... Uh, if, you're, if you're following us on Instagram and socials, then you're seeing our like little 31 days of Halloween. Is it my day today or your day? It's, it's my, my day. day. Oh. I will do it. I will do it after this. No, show. I was just I was just asking because sometimes I forget. I'm yeah, just like, what day is today? It's my day. Uh, what mm. day is today? Yeah, it's my <laughs> day. So, uh, The Descent, um, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, a horror movie with a lot of emotional depth and a jump scare that got me in broad daylight. The one with the... Yeah, uh-huh. where it like... Um, when I'll just say when I'll, when they see the bones, uh-huh. yeah, that was the big one. I jumped like I saw it in broad daylight. I was in my li- broad daylight in my living room that I I launched myself across the room. <laughs> I jumped so hard, like because it was just like it it was too much. And then and then from then on, it's that's it. Like the movie does not hold back. No, it doesn't. Like it was it was it was it building was slow up until there, they got to them. But bones. when it got there, it was just like it was like a roller coaster went over the hill. But back to Blind Manor. We keep getting off topic. Um, I'm on episode four. It is a much slower burn than the first season, which I know can be a lot of... It can be very off-putting to a lot of people. Because especially if you're... if For you, if horror is like, you know, like... Boo. Actually, you know, like, boo. Like, jump scares are like, you know, it's like that, that actual, like, visceral horror. This is more like the horror. This is that, gothic. It's gothic horror, so it's a different type. Because, it, it, you know, people are saying that it's the it's the turning of the screw. It is. That's what it's based on. Yeah. That's what it's based on. Yeah. Um, it's, um, that's, because they're, uh, the first one was based on, you know, the haunting. Um, but this one is based on the turning of the screw. And so they're taking a different approach to it. Um, but the craziest thing to me watching the whole thing was just like, you have to remind yourself that you are at a wedding party. Yes, because the the entire story this is is is, is someone is retelling it at a wedding party. Uh-huh. She looks so pretty with gray hair, uh-huh. by the way. I don't, I can't remember her name, but I'm so, if if I grow hair <laughs> like that. <laughs> And, you know, I reached a certain age. If I could do, like, that, that like, snowy gray or, or uh, gradient look, you know, she looked really, she looks really good with it. But uh, also, what accent is Oliver Jackson Cohen doing? Is that Irish? Maybe. Like. Remind me who that is. Um, the white man. Which white man? The, oh, my God. Um, the the, the handsome one <laughs> the um, oh I think yeah I think it's Scottish Scottish really where did I get Irish from it's very heavy yeah he's he's very versatile I was not because I I think he's English um so he can do but he had an American accent in the first one he did he had an American accent in the Invisible Man and then. Yeah, this one is just... Oh, my God, that is him. That is him. That's what I was saying. They typecasted him because this is his second time playing, like, an unstable psycho male. So, yeah, I don't know. But but I I enjoy it so far. Um, I feel like um, I keep wanting to call her, like, um, like... Hillary Duff 2.0 <laughs> she looks she reminds me so much she just 
like they're not identical but and i know if you like put them next to one another you would probably be able to see clear differences but, but she she's like tiny so like her she looks yeah. like can we talk about her outfits though because i really want a pair of pleated jeans now because like her vibe in the whole show because it's set in like the it's the 80s yeah like, but just the pants and the cinched waist and like these oversized shirts—it's it's like the a vibe. Waist. I want the waist. Just give me the waist, please. It's <laughs> a whole give vibe. Me the waist. It's like yes, outfit. And then the um, what's her name? The black woman. Rebecca. No. No. Mrs. Gross. Her outfits. I love Mrs. Gross. Her outfits. I love Mrs. Gross. I can't believe she's mopping in that skirt. Like for real. I love Mrs. Gross so much because I love seeing. Again, black women with like shaved heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Gross reminds me of um, a stellar black woman in my own life. Uh, Miss G. Miss G, if you're listening, hello. Uh, Miss G was um, an old teacher of mine from. Um, she actually wasn't my teacher. She was. Um, She's an elementary school teacher, but um, she the school that I went to was like a K through twelve. So. She worked um, on the first floor in high school, and everything was like up here on the second floor. But uh, Miss G and um, I were like, I was very close to her. I was very close to uh, Mrs. Terry, the principal. Uh, but Miss G um, has a shaved head. She wears she wears her head her hair like mine. Um, so it's very beautiful, um, and she's like statuesque like me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very beautiful when I see um, black women with that kind of hairstyle or shaved heads because. It again, it's showing like, God, this is so beautiful, and also um, just showing like how, like, how black women's beauty can, like, be take so many different shapes and forms. And I, I love Mrs. Gross, uh, her entire aesthetic, like the, the little earrings, because it reminds me of like, um, it's very like, it gives me like black auntie and black mama vibes mm-hmm. at the same time because you know those two are different things mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh, she's just very put together um i love like how the lipstick matches her sweater Always. or the skirt i just like the little like the little details and like you said i appreciated that there was rebecca and her. yes yes because it showed two strikingly beautiful women uh-huh. for very different reasons yes and I was just like, okay, I see what we're doing. Yeah, I, I love them both. Rebecca's Re- Rebecca's a sweetheart. Um, although, like, again, red flags with Mr. Um, shoot, I forgot his actual name in the show. Peter. But Peter. Uh, yeah, Peter Quint. Um, very, very big red flags with Peter Quint. I'm like, the moment he left, she should just let him go. But I'm here and things don't really turn out well for them. I'm only on episode four. Um, but I was I, just prepared to be... If, if you liked season one because it scared you season two is not but the thing about season one is it didn't even it scared you but not in the way like not in the traditional sense not no because the scariest thing about season one was trying to f- ghost ghost <laughs> ghost ghost there's a ghost there's a ghost there's another one the, like all those photos that came out that showed you where they were I was like oh god With this, but, and then the the um Crooked neck man. Yes. When you realize, lady, lady, and when you realize it's her, <gasps> that was so sad. Oh, scared. That was so scared, sad. Um, mine, mine was the um, the tall guy and like the hat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was scary. Um, one thing I do, one thing with this one, it's not so much jump scares again, because um, the ghosts are they're ghosts. 
um, but how they're doing it is, it's especially in like the first two episodes, in almost every frame in the background, there's like this figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's a pointy nose or a pointy hat, but it's a pointy something, and it's up there, and it's like you. It's, the camera is never focused on it. Mm-mm. It's always focused on, you know, the character or whatever. But if you look in the back, and this is one of the things I love when horror does this. I think the first time, I can't remember the first time I saw, like, a movie doing this, but I want to say, like, the orphanage for some reason. Well, it's just, like, a figure in the background? Or it's, like, or it does, or the orphanage is one of, I think, one of the first horror movies I, I remember seeing where if there was something on screen that was scary, there was no indication that it was there. I think, um, The Omen? Like, there's no score. There's no, like, little, there's no, there's no beat. Oh, no, there's not The Omen. It's just there. It's just there. Mm. And, like, and, 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 um, that's what the, that's what the, um, that's what the Honey and Bly Banner does. It will have, like, something in the background that's, you know it's scary, but it's just there. And you want to, like, it's like you want to tell the character that it's there, but you, of course, they can't hear you. But at the same time, it's, but it's never advancing if it moves and only does so very slightly. But it's threatening, but it's not threatening. Mm-hmm. It's, like, kind of ambiguous. But then, um, I think in the, in episode three, that doll that was in the basement that moved, I think I saw that upstairs in the background. So it's like, I know we're building towards something. I don't know what we're building towards. But I think that is the the saving grace. That maybe is building. A, yes. Because you I are introduced. Going anywhere. Right. Because you're introduced to all of these things happening and all of these characters. Right. As like a mythos. Yes. Yes. So if you, I mean, like, I mean, cause I like gothic art, like Edgar Allan Poe and all of the shit. Like I said, I just, it just was not what I was expecting. I was just expecting something very different. And from the, from the trailer, the trailer didn't give me indications of this is where we were going. And I guess that's, you know, that's what a good trailer does. Yeah. It's not, but you don't want to give it the whole movie. I just, I don't know. There were some parts, especially towards the end, it just felt long. Mm-hmm. You ever just sit there and you're real, like, and you... You just watch. I think that's how the. I for me, I think that's how the ending of last season went for me too. It was very long, mm. felt very long, but at least you know they're not leading us on um, with falsehoods in the trailer. I'll never get over uh, Black Christmas from two thousand six doing that, <laughs> where they specifically shot scenes for the trailer, that knowing morning. full and damn well it was not going to be in the movie just to fill up seats. I am forever pissed about that. You know which trailer? a marketing ploy. I will always you. hate because I hate the movie. What? The Village. Girl, I still ain't seen that. I've seen Don't scary see movie it. um four that parodied that. It's bad. But I have not seen the Village. So stupid M Night Shyamalan. I should I should say his name correctly. Stupid M Night Shyamalan made this trailer that depicted. These monsters. Right. Coming for people in the woods. Coming right. for your neck in 18th century whatever the hell. Uh-huh. That was not what the movie was. Yeah. The movie was some weirdo white people <laughs> who decided, you know what? Society isn't for me. <laughs> and because <laughs> me and my white body oh my God. cannot thrive in this world, oh. I will take myself oh. and my possessions and illegally camp out in the National State Forest. Yep, pack up the knapsack, Barbara, we're going. And pretend 
to live in the 18th century. Because wasn't the ending like there was a bus? Yes. The 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 <laughs> the, the girl the blind girlfriend the blind girl her Bryce, boyfriend Bryce Dallas Howard got shot or stabbed or something. We need help. And she was fumbling around in the woods. Got to the big you know the highway partition. Got to the highway partition and found the door. And there was like a park ranger. That was like, girl, what are you doing? Lay hello. Oh, kind sir. I need to see the doctor. I need the medicinal herbs. And he's like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I hate this movie. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I hate that movie so I the, much. I need the medicinal herbs. The, the med- I can't even I say it right. I need the medicinal herbs. I hate the herbs. Oh, I hate God. it so much. I hate the it. The herbs and the oils. Oh. I need the pharmaceuticals from And the then old. when you find out that the monsters were just like the old people trying to keep people from leaving the woods. Like I'm tired. I can't it's tired. so bad. I hate M. Night Shyamalan. I hate him so much. Just because I was so excited. I was so ready to be afraid. I Me, mean, I went with my cousin. We were like super excited to go and watch this. Uh-huh. And then at the end he just looked at my face and laughed because I was so Disappointed. This is how I felt when I saw Shutter Island. Really? I was confused as shit. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I just watched, girl. I remember I went with um, a friend from high school, and um, we both looked at each other, and we're just like, and but it was like everybody else in the whole auditorium just sat there for like five whole minutes afterwards and did not move. Just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I Shutter Island, girl. No, but yes, Bly Manor. It's really good, um, but it's it's just it's not. I would say going with um, wide ex- pretend the first season does not exist. Well, I mean that's what you got to do with an anthology series, and sort budget. of, because um, I mean it's it's kind of hard because you know the precedence is already set up. But um, just going with an open mind. Um, I think you'll like it when it gets further into the story. But I do, I don't. Of the house. I don't not like it. I do like it a lot. Actually. No, but I think that you'll be like, oh my god, this is the greatest shit ever when it gets into the story about the house. Okay, I'm excited for that. Because uh, I was going to say that... Um, oh, crap. It just, the thought came and went. Came um, and went. Came and went. Ooh, wow. ooh, ooh, ooh. What's, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. I thought I hit a button. I did not. Oh, don't hit that. <laughs> don't hit Sorry. the button. Don't press the button. Um, wow, what was I going to say? Uh, anthology series... Manor. I don't know, um, but yeah, Blind Manor's good, y'all. I oh, you you know what I want to hear you have a thought about? What? Did you see that tweet that Netflix said about Regina Hall? Okay, you gotta refresh my memory, because you sent it to me. Netflix tweeted and said, Regina, quote, Regina Hall has done, has, has impacted horror in the same way that Jamie Lee Curtis did. But y'all don't want to have that conversation. There is honestly End no quote. conversation to be had, sweetie. But let's and be, that is no shade against Miss Regina. No, but let's be very clear. They were dragged, dragged by black Twitter. like Rightfully so. Because they were like, what white person do you have running your Twitter accounts using AAV and saying stupidness? This is a, this is the thing that gets me. When, when, you, see, when you see black uh, or AAV get 
appropriated. I hate that shit. Or and, and then try to put it off as oh, it's just internet slay. Oh no, but the crazy thing is all of Netflix's other accounts came with the yes queen. Yes, girl. Even crap. And I was, no, not that one. Okay. <laughs> they know better. But so here's the here's my opinion, right? Because this this leads into another conversation of what constitutes a horror film, uh, right? Because uh-huh. I like is is the scary movie series does that count as horror? Because horror comedy is a thing. It is a thing. But is that comedy, or is that horror comedy? I think it's. I think the horror comes from the source material, what it's parodying, like at its. And it, because it comes from it comes from horror, but then, but it's a comedy film, so horror comedy. I don't know. But so, if it's a horror comedy, then it's a horror movie, hmm. right? And so, then that means to me that if you stretched it, you could make that argument because Regina Hall was in all them movies. True. Is she iconic? Yes. Yes. Is she iconic as Brenda? Obviously. But we don't see her, we don't see Brenda as, in the traditional horror sense as we saw Laurie Strode's, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. That's what I was about to say. Brenda yeah. is not a screen queen. Thank you. It's And there's a big difference. There's yes. A big difference. But then also, Jamie Lee Curtis has been in other movies besides Halloween, be clear. Prom Night. Uh, what was the one with the train? Not Midnight Meat Train. There was one with the train. It wasn't Midnight Meat Train. <sighs> it was it was Prom Night, uh, Scream, Scream. What was it? it? There was there was one with the train, and like there it's a costume party. Costume and, party. And um, like there's a killer on the train. <laughs> she was in that one. Um, it's gonna it's gonna get me when you say it because I know the I know the word train is in the I know it's in the freight train. Jamie Lee. Oh, is it freight train? Is that it? Is it Frank? Hold on, I don't know. I don't know, but I but um, I just I felt like Prom, the, the fog. No, not the fog. She's in the fog. Hold on, I'm reading. She was in Halloween, then she was in the fog. The Terror Train. Terror Train. I was close. I said fright. <laughs> I was close. Terror Train. But yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is a screen queen because she has been in a slew of horror movies. That's what I'm saying. So Halloween, then it was the fog, then it was prom night. Then it was Terror Train. Then it was, and then you know Halloween Two. Then Halloween Two, Two Eight Two. Two point. There you go. Which was awful. And then Halloween Resurrection. And then the twenty eighteen Halloween. And then the one that was supposed to come out after that. Halloween Resurrection is fun. It's trash, but it's It's fun. It's trash. Tyra got done dirty off screen too, but. Oh, and then there was another film called Trading Places. Oh, that was with um. Arnold, that's a comedy. Right? Yeah, that was with Arnold. That's a good one. I saw that back in like 2013 for the first time. Really good one. But and then but then, you know, that that begs the question. What's the what's the what's the criteria? Yeah. What's to the, be what's the definition? Because though if Well, so, for me personally, I think to be like for for Regina Hall to be you said Regina Hall, not King, right? Yeah, Regina Hall. Okay, to say, because I used to get the two mixed up. Just names, not faces. But for Regina Hall to be considered a screen queen on, in the same vein as Jamie Lee Curtis, I would need to have seen her in a slew of, like, straight horror films. Like, say if, say if instead of 
Brandy's Carla. It, it was Regina's Carla. It was Carla. But then after I still know Regina that summer, she did a bunch of other horror movies. But so, but here's the other thing. And this is what I mean. It begs the question. Because Jamie Lee Curtis had an in because of her mother. Oh. Right? Okay. So, in the same way that Seth Rogen and Adam Sandler. That's the chair, y'all. Uh-huh. Continue to <laughs> continue to make these films with the same eight people. Mm-hmm. Scary movie, the series was like that. The Wayne's brothers got their crew and decided to make these films based off of these horror films, but make it comedy to make it more accessible to black people who are st- stereotypically. And, and inaccurately labeled as not liking horror films, right? They were, but they were only responsible really for the first two. After that, uh, it was just like really based on the characters created by them. But after the second one, they weren't like involved like that anymore. And honestly, after the second one, that's when the movies didn't tank. We don't. The fifth one did, but um, third and fourth were very different yeah. than the first two. For one, they were rated PG fucking 13. Which is terrible. Um, Scary Movie and Scary Movie 2 are comedic gold. They're hilarious. Yeah. I remember when I was little, um, Scary Movie, uh, somebody had turned Scary Movie 2 on, but um, one of my aunts was like, we gotta turn this off, there are kids here. Uh, I forgot after which scene, but they just deemed it like inappropriate. It was and they too said, we gotta turn much. the channel, we gotta turn it off. But, Scary movie one and two, uh, especially introducing Brenda into like the. I think Brenda was so likable because, for one, Regina Hall played the hell out of that role. Like, Brenda is. I think Brenda was a very relatable character. Um, <laughs> and Regardless she, of the fact that she is basically the mascot for the show. <laughs> what, for the, for the series? No, she's like our mascot. Oh, she. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we got we got scary crit from um, the scene in the movie theater with her when she says this is some scary shit. Uh, scary crit came from that, so we were very thankful for Brenda because uh, she's I, w- I don't know if I want to say her our mascot, but she's definitely like our um, I don't know mascot doesn't seem like the accurate word to use though. Uh, muse, she's definitely our muse. There you but, go. Um, but yeah, Brenda, uh, she was relatable. She was effortlessly funny. Like, Regina Hall didn't even have to try. Um, and No, because that was funny when they did... Um, oh, God, what's that movie? Hill House? When they were in the... A scary movie, too. Yeah, yeah. and she was... Um, the bones were coming after her. And she oh, was, my God. <laughs> Cindy! Why did you have to come over here? Just like, oh, I remember that scene so well she's like okay let just, that shit just, just mutilate, mutilate her, her white, white ass, ass and leave <laughs> but, so, but that, that's a, it's a question to me about accessibility you know what I mean because when you look at horror as a genre yeah there's not a lot of black directors there's not a lot of black people yeah. making these films mm-hmm. so if she say in some other alternate dimension on earth 2 mm-hmm. there's a version of Regina Hall that wanted to be a screen queen Who's to say that, one, no one would let her, right? Because black girls aren't fine girls. Two, uh, two, right? The only, think about the black women you see in horror. Brandy was a singer, so she got in that way. 
Kelly Rowland was an already famous singer, so she got in that way. Jada Pinkett was Jada Pinkett. She could do whatever she wanted. Oh, damn. They did her dirty. Yes. Wait, and what? The second one. The first, uh, Scary Movie 2. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Her and Omar Epps. Done. Gutted. But it was crazy having them in there because they were, like, at the... Because Jada had just done... Scary Movie 2 was 1997. Sounds right. Okay, so... Wait, you mean... Scream, you mean Scream. Scream 2. Scream 2 was 97, right? That seems... It wasn't 98. No, it was 97. Didn't the 90... first one come out in 96? Yes. Wow, they were that cap- was They fast. capitalized off that success. God. So, Jada had just done... Well, not had just done, but Jada um, had, you know, set it off under her belt, as well as... Um, what was that other one? Uh, uh, Menace to Society. Those were both early 90s, though. Yeah. And then Omar Epps had Higher Learning. Um, oh, wait. No, the, the Wood was 2000. Yeah, Set It Off was 96. She was also in The Nutty Professor. That was in 96, too. Yes, The Nutty Professor. Oh, my God. Menace to Society was 93. And then she was in Demon Knight in... Okay. 80... What so was she, Demon Knight? So she had a little horror... Uh, experience omar epps though he was coming off like a lot of like um like i said higher learning no demon knight was 95 oh okay. so she did demon knight then nutty professor then set it off then scream yep and i think and i think by having omar epps and jada pinkett like two black stars at like oh uh wait love and basketball was also 2000 Mm-hmm. Or so I'm sorry, Omar Epps. He had film credits under his belt. So I'm trying to say, Higher Learning, I think, was his his most recent and biggest at the time of Scream 2's release. But by having like two um, A-list black stars at like kind of like the uh, a really high point of both of their careers uh, was a way to get like the black audience, the black dollar, the black attention, the black viewer into the seats. But even though, like, those two were killed at, like, the beginning of the movie, like, they were the Drew Barrymore prologue for that movie. Yeah, for black people. Yeah. And I think Scary Movie 2, sorry, Scary Movie did an amazing job parodying that in yeah. the theater. Um, but, that, but that's what I'm saying, right? So it's like, is it who, I feel like that stupid tweet should open up a conversation about accessibility. To Yeah. And, and who's making these films. Right. Because you're right. Like, Wes Craven, I feel like, on some level, knew I swag. How are we going to get black people to come watch this movie? Dope. We'll get two really popping people right now. But then let's just kill them off. Yes. Right in the beginning of the movie. Wow, wow. And I bet you, I I bet you they were featured heavily in the trailers, too. Probably. Like. Probably. I mean, but there's another question, too, right, that I always ask of white directors especially in horror situations because everything is already a trope everything is already pretty like systemic yes like there's a jock there's a blonde there's a hoochie just go by the cabin in the woods right yes yeah but so if you don't understand that black people are people right then you don't know how to make omar epps be a jock Right. You don't know how to make Jada Pinkett just be the popular girl and have it work. Right. Like, how are you going to see these characters as, like... Not black, like, just just people and yes. not blacks. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes, say it again. Like, 
Oh my god! <laughs> Are you gonna see them as people and not? You're right. You're right. Because fitting, having them fit into these um, archetypes is one thing, but then um, when you put the racial component in it, stereotypes pop up. But I always say that. So Carol Clover. I read her a lot. She wrote Men, Women, and Chainsaws. She's the one that really solidified final girls as a theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this whole idea that as a final girl, right, that one of the reasons that men in the audience can, like, latch on to her mm-hmm. is because she says that gender is more a permeable membrane than a wall. Right? Which is like, oh, okay, that's an interesting idea, right? But then as I finished her work and I realized that she didn't once talk about a black person, and nor did she once even say, I didn't talk about black people. I didn't talk about native people. I didn't talk about Asian people. I just, you know, she just, it was just whiteness, right? It made me ask, why is race a wall? Oh. And it's interesting that white people, I guess it's because intrinsically the world to white people is white. You know what I mean? Uh, well. And so I feel like because of that, if you were to try to introduce an indigenous actor into this world, they'd be like, wait, no, he's, 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 he's native. Okay. <laughs> but because he's native, like, he needs, he needs other things. Like what? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, do you know how many native people I know that are just, like, regular? I don't, right. and, and, and I feel like there's this whole idea. There doesn't have to be anything extra there. They right. Just be. That's what, yes, that's what, yes. yes, yes. That is what I was trying to say. And I don't understand why anytime you, like, like, I just don't get it. Because, like, I grew up as a Power Rangers kid, and there was, even though everyone's outfit was originally the color of their skin, like, the, the Asian girl was yellow, and the black man was black, it's fine, whatever. Guess what, babes? They existed. <laughs> did the black one dance? He sure did. But you know what? It was the 90s, and that's what people did. Everyone danced. It was fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes. That's let, my rant let, for the day. Let black people be. Yes. I and I just it. don't know why it's so hard. And I feel like we're seeing a lot of that now in, like, this new black horror renaissance, um, especially with, like, you know, Love Have Country or Jordan Peele's works. Uh, we're just seeing black people be like us was really beautiful because not only did we have a well I'm saying in terms of representation mm. not only t- <laughs> <laughs> not only do we have um, a dark skinned black family because y'all not about to play oh, with me yes. and act like colorism is not a factor here because it is look it up yeah. Um, th- we'll probably have to say that for a whole nother show because that's a that's whole a topic in itself. Show. But for one thing, having like a a, a dark skinned black family, but having like it just be a, a a black family who could do stuff like go to a vacation home. Um, but can we talk about how regular that family was? He wore glasses. He made dad jokes. They drove a station wagon. Corny ass. <laughs> and the kids were calling his ass out on it. And it, it was just so nice to see, like, shit we regard as, you know, white people shit. Um, seeing black people do it. But also breaking down that whole, that whole phrase, like, white people shit. Why is it called white people shit? Because... They have like what the freedom to just be, and we just call and we just automatically call that white people, should, right? But y- you know what? This brings up I was having a conversation with my cousin the other day because he was telling me this idea about 
a, a script that he had. He wanted my opinion. And he was like, you know, he said that he feels like one of the reasons that racism exists in the way that it does. It's this chair. <laughs> yes. Is chair. because of media and the way that media is perpetuated. Oh, girl. Because it's when you, because you're right. Because when you, as a, and I'm going to segue into something else because this is really, really important. But when you, as a child, only see films and television shows where white people have the nuclear family and a fence and a dog and white people go to vacation homes and the beach for the summer and the hotel and this and that and the only time that you see black people portrayed is on the south side of chicago Mm -hmm. with no money Mm -hmm. or or, um, south central la with no money yeah or the south bronx with no money then you start to associate that with who black people are as a whole and then let's not even talk about the fact that you don't see indigenous people you don't see you know any other representation of anybody else so of course race becomes a wall when you have no idea when you don't have anything to associate it to right and then um one of my favorite 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 films is if bill street could talk oh i went to see it and the screening that I went to, Barry Jenkins was there. Barry, oh my! And he did a Q and A after the film. It, I would have passed out. I almost did, but he—you remember that scene where Ooh. the main characters perfume counter? No. Oh, okay. They're just—it's just their faces, and it cuts back and forth between her face and his face, when and all you can see is right here. Yeah, yeah. He said that he did that because. With the fact in mind that that's probably the first time some of the white people in the audience had to look a black person in their eye. Oh my god! Because the way that the screen, the way that the the, the way that it was shot, it's only their face, and after a while, you can look at their forehead, but so long, but you have to look them in the eye. Oh my god! And I was like, how crazy is that to realize as a filmmaker that that is a that is the world we live in? If my foot wasn't asleep, I would just stood up and walked away right now. <laughs> like wow. That's deep. That's deep. That's crazy. So I agree with you. I agree with you about the representation and how it is important. To, and then it was also important to see, even though I have my issues with that movie, it was important to see that Homegirl was in ballet. Because I was in ballet. You were? <laughs> yes! I was a little prima ballerina when I was a child. But it's like, it's crazy to think that that because you are black because you are of color that you it is associated that you don't do these things you know what i mean or that you can't or that you can't things. do these things i was in ballet tapping jazz until middle school damn you know and it's, it's just crazy it's crazy it's crazy but you're right the more the more we see of regular schmegular people the to me would be just great right cuz i re- like i just i need it i just need cuz i and I'm grateful that, like, all of these old-school sitcoms are on Netflix now. Yeah. Because, um, the like, Girlfriends is up there now. Yep. The Parkers. Oh, yeah. Sister, Sister. Moesha. Um, Moesha. My sister. What was my, what was that? My sister Eve with the half-sisters. No, half and know. half. There you go. Girl. I don't know why I said my sister Eve, but half and half. And I appreciate all of these shows for all these different reasons, but I need some new stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I need some... Something that like my sister would relate to. My sister's thirteen. Oh, uh, okay. I feel like it's coming. 
I feel like it's coming because I think a lot of gates have been opened in recent memory. Like, because for us, we've seen that with Insecure. I feel like it's coming for the babies. Yeah, insecure. I feel like it's coming for this. But what I'm afraid of is going to happen is what happened to One Day at a Time. Did you watch One Day at a Time? Girl, I don't watch no soap operas. One Day at a Time is not a soap opera. One Day at a Time is a show on Netflix. Watch the show. Oh, my God. One Day at a Time is this show on Netflix about this Puerto Rican-American family who is trying to make it. Oh, I am so sorry. It's so good. We need to edit that out. It's family. It's uh, it talks about queerness but and acceptance. Think, I'm sorry. I think my friends in back home, um, um, Jaime and uh, Shelby, have told me about this show, and I, I like forgot. I'm sorry. Oh my I, god, it's, it's so just one day at a time. Good. Sounds like another like T- a telenovela. It's not a telenovela. No, it sounds like a soap opera. But there's a soap opera that has a very similar title to One Day at a Time. Not as the world turns, something else. But I'm sorry. I do know about One Day at a Time. I just have not said and watched it. I am so But so sorry. what happened was it was it was doing amazing. People were watching it. Da 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 da. And then Netflix is like, okay, we're done now. Of course. And we were all like, the internet exploded. Excuse me. What do you mean you're done? Done with what? I said they do. But we're they got here. picked up on Pop TV, and now I think they're on CBS. Oh, oh, wider audience. Okay. Yeah, but it was just you know, but it went from. Being able to do this, to film it in a Netflix format where we could just film 10 straight episodes to now we have to do TV syndicated format. And it's a season. I don't remember. But it's like now there's commercials and like all these other things. So I don't know. But yes. I hear you. But yes. um, Because you're right. When when in terms of representation, it's either it's, it's always extremes. It's either like the black affluent or gal guided as Cleopatra. <laughs> I mean, wasn't Cleopatra like Greek though? Was she? But I feel like those are the two. I feel like those are the two representations. You're either you're either black affluent or you're either super super poor. And then the, as black affluent, you're like super light, like gal guided as Cleopatra, or you're poor and you're like super super dark. I didn't. Yeah, and I'm like I don't really see a lot of. Um, middle ground or a lot of like where you know um you know what i don't want to get into that right now (laughs) i don't even know but um i I think representation is getting better um and we we are seeing like more of that gray area or that middle ground or that middle area like i said insecure because um isa when the series started she was a little older than me but i could still relate especially when it's like you know she was doing that job and her heart wasn't really in it she wanted to do more and like she moved on up but then we also have molly who is like very successful in her career and it's like you get to see like the two sides of the coin do you know the nonprofit i used to work for at the time i worked for a nonprofit before <laughs> at the time our slogan was we got you covered Oh shit! And my best friend was tickled. I bet you hollered. Tickled? No, because every no, because she just kept telling me she every time I she would text. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "At work." And she's like, "Oh, we got y'all." Yeah. <laughs> like, shut up. So yeah, it's it's a lot, but um, I I yeah, I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot more is on the way for um the babies. especially the yeah, yeah the younger ages. What's the guy? The name of the guy from Nickelodeon. Who made Zoe 101 and Victorious? Dan Schneider. There you go. I need Dan Schneider to find some young aspiring black television writer and be like, "What you got from me, babe? What you got?" 
the kids need a like 2020 that's so raven or something no i need like a zoe and like a like a or or ned's declassified yes yes (laughs) yes ned's declassified especially because now you know they got the social media so yes that would be a big it'd be great or like a like a like a tiasia 101 that's what i'm saying like i need it tiasia I just came up with a name. I don't know. You mean Taina? No, not oh. Taina. Taina okay. was amazing. Okay. But I mean, like, instead of Zoe 101, like, Tiasia 101. Or, like, Ashley oh, 101. Oh, I get you. I know what you mean. About a young black girl at a private school. Oh. Mm-hmm. That'd be a big one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Y'all, I hope I hope Hollywood is listening. Because we're out here with ideas. If you're listening, <laughs> pay me to write it. I got you. Fly, fly her out. Dan Schneider, 100 episodes. That's it. Oh, my God. They're going to put you to work. <laughs> or better not let it be Tyler Perry, though. Y'all be shooting 100 episodes in a week. Oh, my God. Didn't he, like, <laughs> quarantine all those people on the lot? I think he did. But still, the fact that, like, you filmed 18 episodes in four days, that's not quality television. I don't care what you say to me. <laughs> No, it's not quality. I don't care what you say to me. <laughs> But okay, I think is that it for the not ne- quality Jesus. Is that it for the Necronomicon today? Um, I think unless you want to talk about the witches, that's it. Oh well, the trailer looks fantastic. Um, I'm in. I'm, I love the fashions. I love the. Um, I take back what I said. Yeah, because Lamel here was skeptical. She I was she, skeptical. She did not think Miss Hathaway had the range because Angelica is it Houston or Huston? Angelica Houston. House. Wow, I'm what? Is it? Wait, (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was Houston because there's a there's a U. Is there an O though? Oh no, is it Houston? I'd be saying Houston. Oh no. I don't know. Let me see. Let me see if I can remember um, linguistics. Let me see. I think it is Houston. If I, if I remember correctly. But yes, um, Miss Angelica um, is Queen. very big shoes to fill with that role. Um, but it looks like Anne is really uh, turning it out on her own. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, we got Octavia Spencer in there. Um, a little black boy is like our main character. Who is voiced by Chris Rock, of all people. Well, I think Chris, you know, is the adult. I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah, version. Like, that's crazy. Uh, when I heard his voice, out of nowhere. Me, it threw me the fuck I was like, off. wait a minute, where did you come from? I was like, I wasn't excited to hear Chris Rock until Spiral came out. <laughs> but, uh. Um, yeah, he's in Fargo, too. He, yeah, this current season, mm-hmm. that's another show I need to freaking watch. Yo, Fargo is pretty good. I, I started is. season I know, one. I bet, I know, I know I would love it. I know I would love it. Because uh, you watched the movie, yeah? I'm behind. Oh no! I'm behind. I have not seen Fargo, y'all, but I will watch it. It's so good. I know it is. I know I would love all these movies. I just haven't seen them. Um, but yeah, Steve the witches. Steve Buscemi is a gem. The, oh, of course, Steve Buscemi. But no, the um, the witches. I'm so excited. We get to see it at the end of this month on HBO Max. Um, I don't think we're gonna have to pay for it, haha, Disney. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It looks like a gym. It looks like a fun time, and it really and um and even shout out um Angelica the other day, yeah, on um on her socials. I think it. I don't know if it was because it was her birthday or something, but she was just like she said, like I'm thankful for you. Thank you. Um, I admire you. Like all this stuff. Like she was giving her flowers. I'm like Aww. I I love seeing that, especially with you 
taking on this role, role for new generation. Yeah. You got to pay homage and yeah. like give the flowers to who did it before you. Anne is a very humble woman. I like that. I love her. So, um, like that's our that's the Queen of Genovia. You know, we we respect her. So, <laughs> so um, I think the one last thing before we close the book, I told y'all in the first episode that COVID was gonna mess it up for us. Oh, and now Regal. Oh, it's closed for good. Oh my god. It's y'all, a wrap. It's y'all. done. No more popcorn. Like Mariah Carey said, it's a wrap, y'all. It's a wrap. It's over. Like we done lost. I think that's our first major line of movie theaters that we've lost. Regal theaters, um, not as big as AMC, but they had a lot of theaters. They though. did. There's one on fourteenth. Yeah, they're nationwide. Big, big theater chain. I saw uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 at a Regal Theater. Oh, wow. Uh, IMAX Regal Theater in Denver um, back in 2010, 2011. Um, but so, uh, I, I saw the news, and I, I, I you go in, if you pay for your little point thing, your little card, to cancel it. I'm mad. I have like 80,000 points I'll never use. Oh, no. You know how often I went to movies? <laughs> Listen, I got so many points. Listen, that is that is something I miss so badly about pre-COVID is going to the movies because you know when I was younger, um, I didn't have that option. I did. I wasn't. I didn't have my own money. Um, I couldn't get anywhere on my own. You know, like parents, dad had to drive. You know, but now as an adult, especially with public transportation and having your own job, I would take myself anytime there was a new release of a movie I wanted to see. I would take myself opening night every time consistently that's why i got like the amc stubs because mm-hmm. i'm like i'm there i'm in there i go here um i miss doing that like there were so many good releases lined up like right before corona shut everything down um a quiet place part two was the one that i was set to see the week that everything shut down but regal's gone and this does not look good for anybody the rest else of movie theaters because um james bond like they should have um, took themselves out of November. And so that was like the last straw for, I think that was the last straw for Regal. That was the straw that broke Regal's Yeah, back. because they didn't have anything to show. Because that's it. That was it for them. But that's what I'm saying. People, are, and I don't know about distribution. I don't know the processes you have to go through to get the rights to play these films, right? I have no idea. But I, I feel like you could have tried to finagle, like, because you know how everybody plays um, the James Stewart Christmas movie every year? Yeah. So couldn't you have tried as a chain to like, okay, it's October. Let's get the rights to some horror films so that we could have like a horror marathon and see if people will come to that. Right. It's November. Let's get some holiday movies in here to see if people could come to that. But I feel like uh, that wouldn't have brought along the same kind of attention like a brand new release. This is true. But, so, <coughs> excuse me. Also, people don't have money to go to the movies right now. This is true. We are in a pandemic. A lot of people are unemployed. A lot of people are on unemployment, which is being used for what? Bills. Because Bills. Capitalism. Bills. Because capitalism does not stop. Bills. Ever. Bills. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, guys, it is getting, it is, if it hasn't been serious for you before, it has to be now because we have lost a major theater, a um, major movie theater chain, and it's not looking good for the rest of them. AMC almost met the same fate over the summer but they somehow survived but if this keeps on i don't and i'm gonna be really sad if it's amc because again lincoln square imax is like my favorite theater what did we go see we saw halloween there 
but not at the IMAX in that theater. We no. did see that. We did see Halloween there, but we didn't see it in the, the IMAX. IMAX. But we did go there. Yeah. I love that. I love that movie theater. It's so big. Everything and the, all the um, uh, escalators. Uh-huh. And it's just oh, it's just, I feel so. Uh, I just love it there. Um, I miss it. Oh, I miss it so much, y'all. But I I don't know. But I I can't I can't imagine life without the movies. I mean, well. We're living through it right now, of course. Like I can't movie, imagine the, going the back movie, to life without movies. Like the movie going experience. I yeah. can't, because that's, that's like, you know how people have like their, I don't know, they, what, like, they, they go to baseball games, they go to, they do go, people to go to basketball games. Pre, pre <laughs> corona. Pre corona. Do people go to basketball games still? That's a thing. They go to basketball games, go to, I mean, go, baseball. They baseball, they, they, um, they go, what, they go camping, they go hiking, whatever. Going to the movies was my pastime. That was my hobby. That was my thing to do. And I, I can't, I, I don't want to imagine life uh, post-corona without that. Me either. It's just, it's too weird. It's too, like, it's not the same, like, it's not going to be the same, like, being in your bedroom, uh, watching, like, a brand new release. Because, yeah, you may have, like, the earbuds, but it's not the same as being in a theater with a larger-than-life screen uh, filled in an auditorium of people you don't know, but reveling in this a new experience together and the sound system and I can't do like my my dream home theater system until I am living by myself again until I have like uh my solo place um because I don't want to buy like a a huge new tv uh I'm like well no it won't like girl that shit is in my bedroom that's where it stays (laughs) but I um for one I need the space I would want it to be in a living room and um I can't I can't spend money on a TV like that right now. I can't afford it. Um, I'm broke. But like the way I would want to do my home theater system is like very elaborate. I can't do that right now. Yeah. Um so yeah, y'all, Regal Cinemas, rest in peace. And I feel like with that tombstone. Oh, the Anagonomicon is, is closed. closed. Putting her back on the shelf. Now it's time to get into it the scary crit to get into it would you like to tell the folks again what we're doing so we're going to talk about ganja and hess <laughs> ganja and hats ganja and hess ganja and hess is a vampire movie that was directed and written by bill gunn it came out in 1973 so it's technically classified as a black exploitation film um it is the story Hold on, I'm going to read you the official synopsis before I just ramble and go off on another thing. So, it follows the exploits of anthropologist Dr. Hess Green, who becomes a vampire after his intelligent but unstable assistant stabs him with a cursed dagger. Then Green falls in love with his assistant's widow, Ganja, who learns Green's dark secret. Now, you, if you haven't seen the film, Google, a tra- Google Ganja and Hess to look at the poster because you will recognize um, Hess. Because Hess is Dwayne Jones. And Dwayne Jones starred in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Ooh. So he was no stranger to the horror genre. <laughs> he might have been a stranger to the experimental genre, but we shall see. So before I tell you all of the reasons why I love this movie, I really want to hear the things 
that you, Jared, took did not find so keen? Well, okay. Okay, so um, confession time. Um, this past Sunday, yesterday, at the time of this recording, was my first time ever watching Gajan and Hiss, which I did so at the behest of this show, but Lamel as well, because she loves this movie, The House Down. Um, and as a black whore um, person, I feel like um, it was my duty to have watched this movie. So I watched it yesterday for the first time. Um, I The one I saw was the because um, there are a bunch of different cuts I know so hold on let me read it after Bill Gunn completed Gajan Hess the film was re-edited without his involvement and shortened from 113 to 78 minutes because the original negative had been altered the only surviving copies of the complete version were, u- were used uh, 35 millimeter prints the best of these film elements were combined to create the 35mm negative from which this edition was mastered. The restoration was performed by the Museum of Modern Art which support with support from the Film Foundation. So I saw that one. Okay. I saw like the full. So let me tell you why. Did you look up why that is? Why it's been cut so many different times? I think they cut it because audiences didn't like it. Mm-mm. So... It's a black exploitation film because in the 70s, that's when all that stuff was being made, right? We had Shaft, we had Pam Greer, we had um, everybody kicking ass and taking names and whatever, whatever. So when all that got popular, they were like, huh, I wonder if we could do this with horror. And that's how we got Blackula. That's how we got <laughs> um, Black Frankenstein. That's how we got, um, the. I don't remember the name of it now. The do- There's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde movie that's also a black movie. Mm. Um I don't remember the name. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, I think is what it was, honestly. So the producers, because Bill Gunn is like an auteur. He was out there making work and being creative and all of this stuff. So there were these producers that came to him and was like, yo, we need a film. Make us a film. Make us something scary. Here's here's $350,000. Make it happen. But it was the 70s. That was the budget? Yeah. So... Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. Um, but so they they went to the wrong guy because they wanted like another Blackula. They wanted like oh, Vampire yeah. in Brooklyn oh, in the 70s. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And instead they got this experimental thing that they didn't know what to do with. So he he finished the film. He made the film in its original entirety, mm-hmm. and then they cut it base- and basically took out everything weird to make it a, a story to where, but to make it scary. So it went from this this beautiful like plot to I'm a vampire, rah, come be my bride, rah, <laughs> and it didn't work out. Um, but interestingly enough, he said in an interview that. They gave him the money and said, make us a movie about blood. So it didn't have to be about vampires. That's just the route that he took. Yeah. But it won. Um, It was the Critics' Choice Award for the 1973 Cannes Film Festival. So, when I watched the film, (laughs) my first thought when it started was, uh, it was very very documentary-esque. I thought it was filmed like um, a documentary. But then 
I kept watching and it like took on it didn't it went from documentary to I realized it was just very 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 experimental mm-hmm. and that was where I had like a disconnect because I understood the plot I understood the storyline but the way the film was um, shot and put together and um, like overall filmed it was it was very like I was watching it and I just I I needed this word that came to my mind was structure I just needed more sorry I just needed more structure Um, I just felt like um, because I'm used to watching a film and I'm used to it just being like um, you know we go from point A to point B to point C this movie was like point A but then there would be like tangents or there would be like they felt like random shots it was very like it was it was like very experimental but I think that also means like it was very like one of those like artsy films you know uh which is maybe why it did so well at Cannes because that's their <laughs> whole you know they that's their that's their bread and put yes that's like their signature that's what they do but me it's like um uh like I so, it reminded me it reminded me of girl <laughs> I felt like watching it, especially because I took notes too. I was like, I was like, I felt like I was back in serious games. <laughs> Shout out to Ethan, Professor Spiglet. Ethan Spiglet, yes. Uh, I felt no, like, but that, interestingly enough, that's what I was about to say because I've always I felt. I felt like this is a movie he would have shown in his. Class. He did. I think he did. I don't remember. Not, not, no, if, not if in our class. Did, not, not no, but art. he's showing it in his horror class now. Oh, bless him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. Seeing this film again and being around Ethan and then even Chris, Professor Vitale, um, helped me get a, appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Because, like, so, you know, the story is about imperialism and assimilation and religion and life and death and all of the other things. But I think where I appreciate its artfulness and where I appreciate the, appreciate the experimentation is the fact that this black man is an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. So that means for a living, he digs and excavates and, and st- basically steals from other people's cultures. Uh-huh. Right? Because that's what an archaeologist does. And this is why in Midsummer I was so disappointed by the black student that they had. Because as soon as I saw him, I immediately thought of Dr. Hess. And it didn't work out that way. And I'm just like, what is happening here? Like, th- there, you, you were set up to be such as other person and you weren't. But like all, because all the, because when I first saw it, remember when they were in his house? It was him and the assistant, because Bill Gunn is the assistant. Oh, so it was Lord. the two of them, and they were like having this really weird conversation. And instead of focusing on the two of them, it showed all the stuff in his house. Yes, I'm like, can we go back to? Well, no, because the stuff in his house was the most important part, because it wasn't about necessarily the conversation. It was about this feeling of all of these objects kind of encroaching in on these two people and and what it means for the weight of them to be there and then the undertones of that you stole them from a culture and put them in your home right so are you this imperialist person that has to surround yourself with the with the plights and pillages of all these other places right and then what does that mean now that you're black and you've done this and then what does it mean that your assistant is now here who helped you do all of this stuff and he's having a mental breakdown <laughs> Uh, he was not he was not doing very well because i think without that scene of seeing all of this other stuff that dagger becomes less important because the dagger 
was a cultural artifact that he took. So it's like he brought it on himself. Kind of. But, but like, the weight of all of those other artifacts kind of find themselves in that dagger in the moment that he is stabbed. Right. Three to, times. Right. For the, what was it, for the, 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 the son, the ghost, the... The father, the son, and the Holy yes, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. And my whole thing was this whole, the whole, the juxtaposition of religion and, like, the, this, like, the this sin or like the evil like the of or like you know the darkness of being like a va- this bloodsucker this vampire like because the ending he 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 i think he 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 becomes disillusioned with um his vampiric lifestyle and tries to give himself to god um and tries to like ask ganja like to come away with him no Nora jones and like kills himself or not kills himself but dies in front of a cross so i'm like this the 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 symbolism or the 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 metaphor of like especially because he was he was in before that scene he's in church right that was another thing that yeah. got me he's a vampire in church and i there was a scene where ganja notes like that they're very cold yet he's sweating in church mm-hmm. and just all this stuff about like religion but then they're living like something that religion would abhor Mm -hmm. or it was just an i don't know maybe like the 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 church as it relates to the black collective i don't know it was very well because the church in this i feel like the church in this film was another metaphor for imperialism Uh right it's another way to and impose upon a body and to conform upon a body and to to See, force a body to do something that yeah. it might not necessarily normally do or want to do that scene dragged too i was like what is why are we still here <laughs> why are we like it was i felt like scenes and experiment that that was the point the point was was the, the, it was so long it was supposed to make you uncomfortable yeah so I, but the reason the reason that what this is one of my favorite movies is because as much as it is about Doctor Hess and all the things that he's going through, this is a story of triumph for Ganja. I feel like because she oh, is, the end, she was fine. But it's like the whole film, she is kind of tossed around by these men, right? So because she is this really affluent, really smart, really beautiful woman. When she came up on the scene, I was like, oh my god, who is this woman? Because, she was like, I mean, I think I wrote it down too in my notes because she's at the airport, <laughs> uh, like giving him all this lip, um, and she's like. She's, I mean, she is at the airport. She's in the pearls. Mm-hmm. She has the fur on, the head wrap. And then he's like, I'll send you a limo. And he's like, where are you? And she's like, the driver can't miss me. I'm very valuable. <laughs> and I'm just like, she was a mood. I loved Ganja. Oh, but I loved then, Ganja. So she's dragged into this scenario by this stupid man, this stupid assistant, who gets himself killed. Right. She comes looking for him, which is why she's even involved but in the first her, place. But that was her husband. Yes, but he's a stupid man. In this in this film, he is a stupid man. I think they were estranged too. Mm-hmm. Like estranged, yeah. But he goes missing, so she come looking. Yep. Then she gets involved with Doctor Hess. She, they she becomes a vampire or whatever, whatever. She finds a homeboy in the freezer. It's a whole other thing. Blah 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 blah. Oh my god. So <laughs> at the Did you end, see that video I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna probably post that on the social. 
But so at the end, when he's like, because Hess never wanted to be a vampire. He was so like, um, it was such an abject idea to him, right? Because he's dead. Nobody wants to die. Now I'm dead. What am I supposed to do? But now I have to live like this. But yeah, I'm like, but I'm still here. Right. Yeah. So he was this when whole like, time. He was like, like conflicted. Because he, how he went, how he went about his survival. Because first he, when he realizes like that he's what he is, because he drinks the blood of a, uh, of Doctor Maida, Maida. Yeah. Of uh, Maida, and then. Uh, short scene later, um, he robs a hospital of their blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that first, but then you realize, like, because then that's where the field comes up. You realize he's feeding on people. Like that woman with the baby. Yeah, the hooker. Oh, okay. That, was she white? Mm-mm. She wasn't white? Mm-mm. Because I was going to say, what are the implications of her being a white was woman? She white? I don't think she was white. Um, cause he ended up, I thought, I don't know. She was very fair skinned, I think, but, um, uh, I was going to say that could be another topic of conversation, but how he went about killing people. And then when Ganja came up, it seemed like, well, they fell for each other very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after she saw her dead body, her dead husband's body in the, in the freezer, in the cellar. She I just, mean, she was mad about it the at whole first. Confront, <laughs> the whole confrontation at dinner was amazing. I yeah. love that scene. But um, the whole thing where um, she confronts him about it, but she's she doesn't leave him. She wasn't what? No, that is not the hooker. That was like the one that tried to... Like, oh, she tried to shoot him. Yeah. Oh, oh! Yes, the yes. hooker was why. Oh, see? Okay, so I wasn't tripping. I wasn't tripping. So uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But... Um, so she doesn't she decides not to leave him like there's and there's also a scene where i think it's when they're doing the ritual when he's about to stab her with the dagger Mm -hmm. um they um that's when ganja accepts him for his like affliction Mm -hmm. um she like she marries him and she accepts him fully and that's when she gets stabbed with the dagger um it was such a good scene yeah it was such a good scene um and how like, I don't know. It felt like because I I feel I feel what you're saying that it's like it's always her being, but that's what led but, by or I think that's the interesting part because she chose it. She did, and he didn't. You know what I mean? And not only did he not choose to walk that path, it was forced upon him by another man. You know what I mean? So there's this whole other conflict too. I think about like identity and gender identity and what it means and what it doesn't mean because of the whole penetration aspect of the knife and the patriarchy yes but so she, the ganja <laughs> ganja chose <laughs> to become a vampire ganja chose to stay with hess uh-huh. and ganja chose to let him die alone she sure as hell did she just stood there and said all right peace i'm good called the called the ambulance and just like yep and then I, we'll get to then. I don't want. I want to. I want to. I don't want to jump around. I want to be like chronological about this. I'm trying to be. Um, but so, Ganja. Let's see. I really love Ganja as a character because she seemed to be Hess's opposite. Um, she was a lot more vocal than he was. Mm-hmm. I would say a lot more demanding. Hess was like very cool, very quiet, very calm and collected. 
Um, I felt like... I don't know. How has went about getting, like, his his victims again? Like, um, he... With with the with the um, with the lady and the man, which was I think her pimp. I think so. Yeah, who tried to kill him? He ended up killing them both, mm-hmm. and I think drinking from them both. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, but that was I mean they were trying to get him first, so that made sense. But then it's like, why did he switch from? Why did he stop like robbing hospitals and switch to people? Like, where did his morality go in terms of that? I mean, but is I feel like. I feel like you do what's easiest, right? Uh-huh. So when you are trying to fight against your nature, uh-huh. you worm your way into a hospital and steal some blood. But you could only do that a couple of times before people start saying like, oh, that's the weird guy that keeps stealing all the blood. You can't come in here. True. So, you know, at first it was easy to go through that the trouble of stealing the blood and doing all that other stuff. But I think eventually... The it, it's always easier to just find somebody to kill, and it seemed like he was getting um, desperate. Well, I was gonna say he was um, like low hanging fruit because mm-hmm. um, the lady who who picked him up in the bar who ended up like trying to uh, rob him with her pimp was uh, I think a prostitute. Uh, the white woman with the baby that uh, he uh, ended up like drinking from was a prostitute um and with with ganja when he said like we're having a guest for dinner first of all (laughs) nice double meaning there (laughs) i I caught it right away i did um and how um but it was for ganja specifically like that whole scene was again like (laughs) a little uncomfortable because it's just like oh god we're lingering again but also like what is why it's like playing with your food before you eat it I don't know because she she seduced this man Mm -hmm. they're having sex whatever and then she drinks from him she ends up well she didn't kill him as we find out later but it looks like she killed him but she drinks from him and I think that's her first time doing that and like, like what is the what is the what is the metaphor what are we getting at where like it's her first time doing this act but it's also coupled with like sex well i think that's always a vampire trope anyway right like even in the old school vampire movies with dracula trying to find a bride uh-huh. you always end up trying to have sex with somebody so like the very being in like the 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 sexual aspect of being a vampire, vampire. So the, the, like, I or think, of sin yes that yes the yeah. whole, it's the whole thing incorporated because from the monster aspect you want to try to eat try to get somebody when they're most vulnerable right oh okay so okay. you know if we in the yeah. middle of something yeah. you're not going to expect me to just bite you in the neck <laughs> so here i come but when you talk about the religion and as the and use that as a as the metaphor for the overarching thing of the film what 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 does that mean to not only have sex unmarried but now to invite someone else into your bed that is not your husband right i was like are they swingers or something what's going on here but it was like very but i'm like maybe this is like because this was her first time maybe this was hess like trying to let her fall into it on her own i don't know but i knew he was a victim like right away mm-hmm. i knew what we were i knew what was happening. was happening so 
then we're brought back to the field where I think Hess, I'm sorry, where Ganja accompanies Hess in like learning like where they put the bodies, where they, you know, and apparently he's still alive. He's still breathing, but Hess rips her away from him. Mm-hmm. What was the significance of that? Well, cause I think you as a man have invited someone into your bed with your wife uh-huh. and they have done what they have done. Uh-huh. The fact that he was still alive, she was like, oh, shit, he's alive. Like, what the fuck? So she, she, there, there is always going to be a level of concern with someone who you do something with, especially something that intimate. Uh So I think that was more possession and possessive because he's like, here, I got this for you. Right. And when it wasn't associated with him anymore, he had a problem. You see what I'm saying? Like, had to cut it off. Right. And so, because it was this weird situation. Because that's why I said that's why I appreciate it. Because Ganja at at the end was like, "Y'all can kiss my butt," because he. It seemed like she chose herself. Yes, over all these other people. Because you know, you think that you knew that something was wrong with the marriage from her and, and Bill Gunn's character because they were estranged and he was weird and whatever. But then she comes in as this amazing woman and meets this guy who is this esteemed archaeologist. But they had all these problems. All these problems. And you like and she's like, you know what? I love you. So we can do this together. We can deal with these problems together and make it happen. But then as the story goes on, his problems are more than that. It's more than something that she can help him with. It's more than something that she can save him from. And so it becomes a choice of I either die by your problems or I live my life. Right. And so I think because, you know, because like I said, so and I think it was a really cool metaphor for like what it means to be married and what it means to have like your own personal like mental health problems going on. Because that man was anxious. He was paranoid. He was struggling in a whole bunch of other different ways. And then you're going to be possessive. And then you're going to be jealous on top of all of these other things that I'm trying to help you with. Yep. Get out of here. Get out. (laughs) So, like, when he... So, when we get to the ending and he, like, finds God, because I think... I think part of, like, what he was going through was, again, he he became disillusioned with um, his vampire lifestyle. He couldn't do it anymore. So, he found Jesus. Um, You know, he wanted to be saved or he wanted to, you know, cross over. Um, but he didn't want to do it alone. He wanted Ganja to come with him, but she just stood there. Mm-hmm. She chose herself, um, and he and he ends up dying because you know, like it just doesn't. He's a vampire. He's undead. The you know, holy, but to say it just doesn't work. So he dies alone. And Hess, I'm sorry, Ganja does feel something. You know, she's. She seems a little sad, a little detached. But at the end, when she's like staring out from the balcony in the yard, she's she looks fine. She looks um, almost peaceful because that's when we see. And I didn't find this out until I like looked the movie up afterwards because I was so confused. I thought the person who came out the pool, I thought that was their husband. Mm-mm. I didn't realize it was the guy from the mm-hmm. night before, or the, you know, the other night. Um, so, it's like, if anything, Ganja is not going to be alone. Or she's not going to be like, she's not going to be without. Let me say that. Right. She's not going to be without. She's going to be just fine. But she's doing it on her terms. Because it seemed like, 
Because it's like, the t- at the end of the movie, the tables have been flipped. Uh-huh. She is now the Hess. Uh-huh. And that that the man that she brought back is like now her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so now she has kind of like, I don't know, do I want to use the word ownership? Or like, she's the, she's like the boss. She's the power. She's the power in, in this relationship yes. now. And like he Which, was running towards her. her. Mm-hmm. He was running towards her. I did like that scene, the way it was shot, um, the craziest look in his eye. Um, when he jumped over Archie's dead body. They he's did, fully naked. They just, did, uh, whoop, naked. <laughs> there is a lot of, uh, yeah, they're gratuitous with the... Um, the nudity? With the... The male nudity yeah, specifically? The, yeah, I was like, I didn't, I was not realized. But that's, there's, there's so many ways, I think, to interpret vampirism in this film specifically. Because it could be a metaphor for mental illness. It could be a metaphor for queerness or like hom- feelings of homosexuality. Mm. It could be a metaphor for just being dumb. There was, there was, a, little, there was a little homoeroticism going on, like that that scene before uh, Mister uh, Maida stabbed Ganja. Like they're both like wrestling on the bed Hess. shirtless. When Mister <laughs> Maida is wrestling Hess, Hess. Uh, they're both shirtless. Um, and rest around in the bed. That that And then me, he stabs him. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he like the whole the whole idea that, that they are wrestling around like that and, and like it lingers. So you hear the grunts, you hear the noises, you yeah. see their faces, you do all this stuff. It's 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 insinuated yes. that they are having sex. And then one man penetrates the other man with the with the, with the dagger, dagger. With the and now we go on this whole self identity journey of who am I? <laughs> oh my god! There it goes. There it goes. And so. then at the end, we go to church to be saved. You know what I mean? And like, it ends up killing him. Oh, let me stop. I'm sorry. That was. <laughs> but this, but and then it's it, it, like I said. Even if you don't interpret it that way, you could make an argument that this is a metaphor for mental illness. Yes. Because in the black community, it is the same thing. Everybody kind of pushes you towards the church, right. To make it better, uh, and it never makes it better, girl. You know what I mean? Like if you are religious, you can have God and a therapist, and it's fine. You know what I mean? They're not mutually exclusive situations. Right. But I feel like this is just a really sad story of a man who couldn't find support. That's what he needed. He needed a therapist. And Ganja, unfortunately, was not his therapist. But and Ganja was not, not her job. the one. That's what I'm saying. That's she was not, not the job. one. She is too valuable. Right. <laughs> He'll recognize me. I'm too valuable. But so, and, that, like, and that's what makes this, this such, a, such a beautiful story, especially for this time. Yeah. So one of my favorite, favorite, favorite academics is this black woman, Dr. Robin Means Coleman. She is the one who wrote Horror New York, the Shudder yes. documentary yes. that is now a documentary. Yes. She did some research, and in one of her in the book, she talked about the women of the 1970s, right? And she gave them a term, and they're called enduring women. Because yes, we, yes. we talked about this a I little bit. I was going to bring it up, yes. So, like, Pam Greer went through all this stuff and got beat up and raped and tortured and run over by a car and smacked in the face. I'm exaggerating. But all of these things happened because in like, in like I don't know, like Foxy Brown, wasn't she like looking for a man and trying to get revenge for her man or something like that? So, yeah. so all of the women in the 70s, that's who they were. They had all this crap happen to them 
And then they just kept going because right. they're black and they're women and that's what they had to do. This is one of the few films where Homegirl was like, you know what? I'm good. You got it. I'm good. I am too valuable. I choose me. And was fine. And was fine at the end of the movie. And it's such a powerful thing. And it makes me so mad that Hollywood politics killed this film. They killed it. Yeah. Because my thing, like I, like I said, like this film, structure-wise, like the whole experimental thing, not my cup of tea. But the, <laughs> but the thematic material, the plot, like the, the, um, the metaphors, all the stuff we basically just talked about, I'm here for that. Because it's like, at the end of the day, you know, black women choose yourself um black men black women are not your therapists okay like there are a lot of like mel mel said there are a lot of good lessons in this movie that apply to today and like the metaphor of vampirism for a slew of other things um but yeah i and but of course it would of course hollywood killed it because it's not palatable to them it's not it's not the it's not it's not packaged in that pretty way but that's I and mean, right and that's the unfortunate thing because if like, it was if it was if mm, if it was like a black wolf man running around killing everybody they'd have released it except because yeah because it's another thing where and this is why i said even though it's not my cup of tea i am glad bill gunn had his had his vision and stuck by it because it's just like um black artists have the should have the option to be artsy too Right. Without right, because and but that's the other thing. Doctor Hess Green, no, was his last name Green? No. Why do I want to keep calling him Green? Just say Hess. Doctor <laughs> Hess was a doctor of anthropology. You know how smart this man was. He had a chauffeur. He had a whole chauffeur and a whole estate that he owned in his name. Twas his. Yep. Archie was up in there talking about we can't go into the cellar unless he's here. Also, that movie did Archie so dirty. So dirty. Like so dirty. Poor everybody Archie. did Archie dirty, especially yeah. Ganja. Because like, Ganja didn't like that man. The whole thing with the groceries, like she wanted him to open the door after he had a, like a full hand of groceries, like the car door, and then when they got to the actual front door of the house, didn't even hold it open for him. But that's how rich white people treat their chauffeurs. So what is it to say that this was a? rich black woman doing it right it should she be any different oh okay should that should she be different black. everybody was black everybody was black. that's what Archie i'm saying was black hess was black and was if black. you watch don abbey yeah he friends with the butler but you better open my door oh shit you better give me my tea two sugars one milk thanks <laughs> you know what i mean like there's there's this expectation i think sometimes that and this is going to sound really awful, but I don't care. That because we all down, because we all black, right, we're going we gonna to treat each other a little bit different. Nah, homie, this is your job. Your job is to open my door, whether your hands are full or not. And we, we have to, this because this is now about classism. <laughs> this oh, is shit. now about capitalism. Oh, shit. I am paying you for a service. Please, please complete your service. What? And then. To modern day, this can be applied to the whole thing with black businesses. Everybody expecting like. A, a discount. When you need to pay full price. Right. Like, if you're going to support. A business, then support a business. Just because you know them or just because they're black doesn't mean they give you $10 off. Doesn't mean they give it to you for free. Doesn't mean they give it to you for half. Like you're undermining 
like their whole their work all the stuff like we can't i like it's it may be like an unpopular opinion maybe like a harsh opinion but it's it's a real one it's true i hear you and so and and because as 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 beautifully as ganja was was saying like i feel like hess was a doctor how many other movies can you look at from the 70s where there was a black man who was a doctor Mm, he was a very successful person very affluent yes and so it's it's just it's just I don't know it's just crazy that and that goes back into what we were saying earlier because the producers saw black people in a very specific way of course they wouldn't believe that there were black doctors what are you talking about yeah there's a black chauffeur but there's not a black lady that looks like that there's not a black guy that's done all those things about two weeks ago because it, it's on Netflix again now um, I watched Boomerang. And I read about how when it came out in the 90s, because uh, it's from 92, mm-hmm. when it came out in the 90s, um, a lot of, it got mixed reviews because a lot of white critics and audiences couldn't really, they weren't getting the fact that, you know, because then, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know how, because when it, the whole uh, business, when they took over and all that, but even before that, it was black-led black run mm-hmm. all of that and i mean look at um look at robin gibbons character look at um eddie murphy's character Both, robin gibbons was bad in that movie i just Jesus. want her waist uh, yes i just want her waist all of it just give me the waist but, uh, <laughs> but no the, everybody was so beautiful in that goddamn movie halle berry and chris rock were both around our ages. Really? Yes, like 25, I think. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I did not look like that at 25. <laughs> and, <laughs> we're a different time. But um, <laughs> they were, I, it was crazy to see how young they were. But yeah, Chris Rock and Halle Berry were, were, I think, around the exact same age, but they were like our ages at that time. Oh, wow. But um, when it came out, yeah, a lot of white audiences were having like cognitive dissonance because they could not relate the fact that you know black people could be successful or black people could be like have their own business or have like a whole floor of a of a high-rise new york office building dedicated to their business or be in like these spaces and do all these things um and how that um it is good for the black community to see that kind of representation but also it's good for the world to see it because it's saying like um especially to white people like um excuse me this is not all we are because at the same time i think boys in the hood had come out two years previously Mm -hmm. i think that was in 1990 and so it's like we're the world especially american media have been so used to seeing that image of black people and then you get boomerang and you're seeing like the the other side like the other extreme you know and like how it really bothered me how like white audiences or whatever um could not wrap their heads around how that was actually could actually happen was actually real like a, a whole like uh grace jones like being the icon that she is uh, grace jones was hysterical in that movie <laughs> she was so funny that scene at dinner when she when he went to go home with her I really like the scene where um, where they're trying to figure out the um, the perfume fragrance. Oh yeah, yeah. And name, uh-huh. and then she's in like the <laughs> she, Grace Jones is a gym. But I I wanted to bring that up because we talk about vamps. Vamp. Vamp. Is it Grace Jones? You know the vamp? No. 
Grace Jones was a vampire. No, I did not know that. I feel like, but that's so on brand for her. And Um, she was so like art deco with it. Like she had a red uh, bob and like all this white makeup. Yeah. Grace Jones is iconic. But I wanted to bring that up because, um, again, like black people can be in these spaces, can be in these realms, can be in these circles, can have these roles or jobs or positions um, and be taken seriously. Um, it's just the fact that they usually aren't. Right. And because people don't believe that that's a reality. And it is, though. It you is know how many real. people I know that own their own business? Leave me alone. <laughs> like, so, yeah. So, I, so while, you know, Gajan Hess wasn't palatable to me in terms of, like, you know, the, the film style, I do like what it stands for and, um, like, the metaphors that are within it and um, the things that it analyzes. I love this movie. I love how it's shot. I love how it's edited. And you know I'm a stickler for editing. I hate bad editing. I hate a, I hate a sloppy cut. I love this film. I love it so much. What did you watch it on? You Where'd you buy it? <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't remember where to buy it. Just cut it out. I don't remember how to... I'm trying to tell people how to watch the I thing. Know, I was going to say, you got to look it up. Uh, just google it google it find it online it is worth it and then i was when we, when we were talking about this earlier i was telling jared that a lot of people who don't really rock with the original rendition probably enjoy the remake spike lee remade it it's called the sweet blood of jesus is um, it a shot for shot remake uh, kind of almost not really so in places yeah okay. but like i mean uh, it's okay i would watch the original if, I mean, watch the remake if you want, but I, I would watch the original first. Always watch the original. Yeah, please do. Because it's, it's like I said, it may not be, like, something you're used to, but I think for its uh, cultural significance and also, like, uh, film significance, it should definitely be checked out. Um, and I... It didn't scare me. I didn't find it scary. I think... I think it was scary in the way that Psycho was scary in the 60s. Uh, okay. 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 And I also wanted to... Um, but it I, was weird. It was weird. It didn't scare me. It was um, also like the whole... Another metaphor I wanted to discuss was after Hess like finds God, there's a scene of him, a long scene. Of like, because you know, it's like it felt very, you know, again, it like lingered. There's a scene of him running through a field, shirt open, uh-huh. smiles, just free, basically. Uh-huh. But this is, it looked like the same field he buries like his kills in mm-hmm. his body. So I'm thinking, like, so this is him like overcoming his sin, this is him free from his sin, this is him like free from the because it was just like it was like black boy joy you know mm-hmm. it was just like because i mean the shirt was open like just because again ganja is a he's a, he's a doctor so he has a very put together appearance i mm-hmm. think in like every fucking scene he's in a suit mm-hmm. like suited up like tie uh he's dressed suit, very jacket, smart uh oh, got that he was he was actually a very handsome Dwayne very Jones very handsome. handsome black man like he gave me he was like that 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 Uncle Daddy. That's all I can really say. Like, cause mm-hmm. he, he was like both. Like he both. was. You know how in Indiana Jones, how Sean Connery was his dad. 
but he was like fat. What this is the dad you wanted. Oh. <laughs> well, he was very he was like yeah, he was like a very like it was like a refined attractive. Yeah. And it was like the beard and, and the, like the shaded glasses and, you know, the aesthetic. But yeah, he was a very put together character. But then in this scene, he's like, he's not, he's like free as in like kind of like messy in a way. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't care and he's not faking it. It's just like very free. But the fact that like this is him running through the same field that like his bodies are buried, buried in. in it's like it's very symbolic to me that now he's like free from that or, he, or he's you know interestingly enough i don't know if that's purposeful i, I maybe i'm looking into it too no hard. but that's a really insightful observation because like so you know the whole film was was filmed in different parts of new york there's some of it was filmed in brooklyn some of it was filmed in harlem okay. i think that was filmed in croton on hudson uh-huh so i don't know if that was purposeful or if that was like we had this field I don't know, but but that's just, a really cool connection. It just yeah, because I'm like we kept seeing the field, but the only time we saw it was you know. But you know what is interesting too at the end, the scene where the the naked guy comes out of the pool and runs towards her over like the same field area, but actually runs over the dead body. It was, but yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Like it's interesting the metaphor of him just like running without death, like following him into this reckless abandon, right? Yeah. And like also, I'll never get over like that crazed look in his eye though. Like when he ran from the pool, because he was like a beast. Like, which was the other interesting thing about that. Because when yes, because when she transformed, she was still regal. Yes, and and held together. Yes, and then this man now becomes this like monstrous figure running around naked. Yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah, just that was that was a whole lot of yeah, <laughs> whole lot of everything. Yes, just. Yep. Everything, everything. But, but yeah, it was it was a lot. Um, but it was I enjoyed the film. I think it is um, is definitely a black horror staple. Um, I can def it's definitely ripe for film classes. <laughs> but did you know the other interesting thing in thinking about my life? Right, I think I talked to you this before. Um, so a mentor of mine, Dasan, made it a point to t- to say he w- he was in a workshop, and he was like, as black people and people of color. We write all these stories, and we write all these poems, but we never write about how we write them. So hmm. we will make like you could write a whole collection of short stories, and you could have you could be like Stephen King and have all these novels. But if you never write a book about how you write, then people can't try to duplicate what you did, and there's no record of how you did what you did, right? Oh. So I have all these screenwriting books and all these poetry, how to write poems and whatever. And none, but the screenwriting books specifically, not a single book I had had a black film in it. Not one. Not a single how do you write screenplays, how do you write scripts book was written by a black person or a person of color or a woman for that matter. All of them were written by men. All of those men were white. So it means like for us to, like we need to essentially have like, our own masterclass of how to do because like Zora Neale Hurston I don't know how to write like she wrote I have no idea how to wrap my brain around it and there's no one who's ever critically examined how she did what she did or why she did what she did or how she inflected the way that she inflected to make it sound the way that it was supposed to sound so open up and analyze your own process yes because I found because I was interesting I was looking for this script I was looking for Ganjin Hess's script. And I'm scouring the internet, scouring the internet. And I finally found a book. One. 
of all of the hundreds, one, about African-American screenplays that was written however many years ago. But that is the, this is the only copy of, the, of Ganjin Has I Can Find. See, don't you hate when you can't find a script? But it's it's just it blew my mind that that the nobody yeah. right but like you could somebody could write a book about scary movie all four of them and analyze these scripts for for comedy purposes like it there there's so much other because somebody if they really felt like it could talk could talk about Tyler Perry and re, and analyze his scripts and figure out what was going on I don't think it's gonna be good but you could do it. You could do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Somebody could sit there and break down black television and and look at the first season of Sister Sister and break down those scripts. It it just hurts my heart that it's not there and that it's not readily available. Somebody could write a whole book about the Lovecraft Country show and break down the script line for line, scene uh, for scene. I feel like that out of everything you just mentioned is like the one that's closest to actually happening because there's just the the discourse that is like come out of this show is amazing so we could definitely see it happening but i agree yeah in order to and it really helps as a creative to learn and break down and analyze your own process your own creative process Mm -hmm. because not only is it going to help you get in more tune with your writing it will help others understand what you're trying to say better and then you might even inspire them because the the thing i love to do and the reason i have all these books is because i like seeing what the rules are so i can break them right i'm like that's dumb i don't want to do that i'm gonna do this instead and it would be nice to know what spike lee was thinking when he wrote school days you know what i mean but i'm not buying his um She's got to have it script. His She's Got to Have It script is like a whole like gorilla movie making kit. It's like a hundred and something, fifty dollars or something online. Oh, that's another thing I want to mention about uh, God and Hess. Um, it felt very gorilla style almost in some areas, in some places, like some shots. They're very like, we're just going to do it. And then, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed God and Hess. Um, I really think you guys should definitely have see. Watch it. I tell everyone I meet to watch this movie. We're going to talk about it again this time next year. And if you haven't watched it, <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> upset. I I um I recommend it as well. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it may not um personally be like um my cup of tea structure wise, but I am very happy I saw it. I'm very happy I have an opinion on it and I'm very happy um like I can see how culturally relevant it is still is that that was from 1973 yeah and the fact that you know bill gunn even though it's like not maybe what people are used to or um it might not be like um palatable to them like that he still did his thing like he still had his own vision and executed it like i'm always going to admire that and be inspired by it because again this movie didn't follow the rules and I think that's why, you know, I'm not, I wasn't able to, like, be like, okay, I really like this. I was just very like, huh, you know, because it's not, it's not what I'm used to because it, it, it was doing its own thing. But I appreciate that it was doing that. I appreciate that it can do Dude, that. And that's the one thing that I always be sad about. I wish that Bill Gunn had made that movie under different circumstances. Where it wasn't, like, commissioned. Uh-huh. Yeah. But no, but and, and you know, that's the catch running too, because if it wasn't commissioned, he wouldn't have made it, right? But I really wish I could have seen what else he could have done. 
You know what I mean? Because somebody really gave him some money and said, make a movie about blood. So I wonder what would have happened if somebody gave him some money and said, make a movie about heartbreak. Gave him some money and said, make a movie about death or dying or hope. So if he had more opportunities to do... Like, oh, I think he could have made some other crazy, crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, because Bill Gunn, he, he, is, he is unlike a lot that is out there that existed either today or back then. Right. So I think that's important. Um, like... Because I think he could have, if he if he had the opportunity to, to keep going down this horror path specifically and make other like whacked out crazy ideas, he could have been like like a like a Harlem Bava. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like Mario Bava is probably one of my favorite directors of all time. He is the master of Italian horror. He mm-hmm. is the one who mentored Dario Argento. Oh my! Well, there it is. So it's like he had this this is. distinct style. Of how he did things and why he did things. And I feel like Bill, Bill Gunn is that person. He had a decision and a reason behind every decision. He shot things in a specific way. He edited things in a specific way. Do he framed things in a specific intention. way. So it's like, could you imagine what he would have been able to do with, with, other, with other situations? If somebody gave him like a, like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde idea, what he could have done with that? If somebody gave him like a zombie idea or like a suicide club idea, what he could have done with that? Yeah. yeah. It makes me sad. Oh, it makes me sad. So bless Bill Gunn and Godrin Hiss. Um, last thing I want to say about it is I also loved uh, one thing about the structure I actually did like was every time um, Hess or Ganja were were about to feed or there was going to be something with blood like that refrain mm-hmm. came on again we're going back to like refrains because mm-hmm. like like below country with uh topsy and bopsy the whole let me in thing with this one it was like a chant yep i think was it children's it song? was yeah it was it no it was that africa because remember when he got changed there was like that african lady in the field when he changed her yeah yeah that was the chant it was from like whatever tribe had cursed the the dagger that's the chant that they would do to transform so and it, and, it, and it kept popping up every time like they were about to um ganja i mean hess was drinking either a person or like blood out of a cup mm-hmm. or when like a victim was about it was like it was very consistent we, and then the last thing i want to say i i really like the way that the blood looked like it wasn't real it gave me bones uh-huh. <laughs> It was like paint. And I think it was purposeful. I liked it. Because it wasn't, I don't think it was supposed to be realistic. And maybe it was, and that's just how it came out. I don't know. But the way that I interpret it is that it was supposed to be like, there's blood. Every time. Unmistakable, it's blood. You want to know why? Because it looks like this. (laughs) (laughs) It had a very distinct look. It did. It did. I wonder what he made it out of. Because there's a couple of different ways to make... I'm going on a tangent now. Do you want me to stop? Because I'm going to keep talking. (laughs) We'll talk about this another time. We'll talk about, (laughs) like, the ins and outs of making fake blood another time. But I just... It's sticky, depending on what you put in it, is all I was going to say. It was was what I was going to get to. Yeah, it definitely wasn't coarse. No, it was something more... Well, it could have been. It could have... They could have put cornstarch in it to thicken it up. I don't know what it was. But it was not like the color. It really reminded. It was giving me bones. Snoop Dogg, two thousand one, <laughs> and it, but it was from nineteen seventy three. That's what it was giving me. But, oh. Okay, Ganja and Hiss. Um, that was a good pick. So, I think that's it for today. Final curls. Final thoughts. I don't know. I don't think I have any. Um. 
So we'll return. Um, we'll return on. In those weeks? Um, no, in a week. Two weeks? Um, I don't know. October? Well, hold on. Because Wednesday of this oh, week this is, is October dead. 14th. Um, so that would be October 26th we come back. Oh, are we doing like a Halloween special episode? Well, I thought we were going to do. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about on Halloween, are we going to give the people a special episode? We can try. It doesn't have to be long. It could be like 30 minutes. Let's plan it. We'll figure it out. Okay, people, we might do this. We'll figure it out. But I'm not, There's no promises, but we might. Because uh, we can do it live and like... Oh, my God. <laughs> make it cute. I did just get my jaw shirt, too, so I'm really excited. Oh, do you like this shirt? I do. I uh. meant to say something, but then I realized what was happening. I was like, okay, for the people at home, Jared has on a T-shirt of the Scooby-Doo gang. They have unmasked ghost face, and it is none other than Shaggy himself, and Shaggy is looking like, and? This is, like, the best. <laughs> like, y'all know how deep this reference is There's right a cell phone, too, and a knife. Oh, my God. Y'all understand how deep this reference is, right? right now it is so awesome because um the voice of shaggy um played stew in scream in 1996 um matthew lillard did you see him and and um jughead's dad i don't remember this man's name right now jughead jughead's dad what was the other guy from scream it was matthew and what's his name ulrich there you go um he played jughead's father on riverdale Oh, were they what, were they in the show together? No, they posted a picture online earlier of them holding up the masks together. Well, we already know um, Billy's he, dead. Yeah, Billy's dead. So, and they're talking about like Stu might not be. So, I don't know, but I don't know. I would, I would love if if they brought Matthew. If back. Matthew Lillard it's, rolls his white behind <laughs> onto that set. I'm gonna lose my mind. We need a, we need a picture though of my shirt for the folks. So we'll take one before we go. A full body pic. Somewhere. We'll take one before we go. But, okay. Um, we will see you guys um, the twenty next, next time Second. on the twenty sixth. Um, but in, uh, but until then, um, stay safe and stay, stay scared because it's October. Stay scary. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 